1: look at us now tip to tip this is our life this is our passion that's the spirit we bring to this show i'm luke thomas i'm brian campbell this is morning combat
0: it is a marvelous monday right here june sixth, 2022 morning combat is back in studio luke thomas brian campbell we are the hosts of this program and we are delighted yeah. to be back with you today bc how was the drive-in uh you know you don't really. as i hear all the people in the back talk yeah I'm we're still
1: putting it's still a work in progress here but i'm here i'm happy they want the bod here's the hot rod if you know what i mean
0: this one's iron. This one's steel. If this don't get you, this one will. <laughs> All
1: right, uh, Luke. We are back here because this is where we belong. Remember this is when, where the show should be. The show over Zoom is not really MK. Yeah. This is MK. Remember when Happy Gilmore was like, "Go back to your home." You know what I mean? Like, like the, this is this is it, dude. You know what I'm saying? That uh, movie's overrated. Super overrated. I don't think it is. It's a little overrated. I don't think it is. You know
0: is. what's not overrated is all the stuff we're going to get to today. So we've got, let's see, Volkov beating Rosenstrike, Struk, whatever. We've got the Haney and Cambosis results. We've got some stuff from Showtime, Fulton, and Roman. Plus, have you seen this shit? Plus, DMs from Donks. And a whole lot more. Plus so it, an
1: uncomfortable level of energy between us that can only be consummated right here on this desk. That's right, yes. that's right. Angry sex, editorial-wise. <laughs> uh, th- th- thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube.
0: Please hit subscribe. And if you are listening on podcasts, mm. do us a solid. Give us a nice review there as well. BC, how was your weekend? Was it good?
1: Uh, I was in Minneapolis for the show. That's kind of right, card. you so did. You had great. to travel last I want to say this. I said it on Instagram. Who needs to hear this? Let's bring it right in here. Uh, dear the sport of boxing, we, uh, we, we love certain arenas. For the history, for the feeling, MSG, the punch bowl and Carson. I need to uh, enter the Armory in Minneapolis in that discussion. Uh, Luke Thomas, I don't know if you care about this. Like I, I do, do care about this, actually. But you go to enough fights in Vegas. Unfortunately, like sometimes it can, because it's not always a boxing crowd in Vegas. It's a it's a casino crowd, right? Especially at T-Mobile. Right, so sometimes it can it can lose that real feel, but then, you know, you get something like when Terrence Crawford started doing those fights in Omaha a few years ago, and there's, like, real boxing fans there, and, you know, Southern California has real fans, Brooklyn has real fans, there's pockets of that. Minneapolis, for some reason, has real-ass boxing fans, and... Um, they like the taste of the weed, too, a lot, okay? <laughs> a lot, Luke, uh, and that's fine. And, you know, they drink a lot, and it's in this historic old-ass arena. Um, the Armory, uh, well done, boxing, so let, let's keep going back I there. mean, that
0: Cuban dude went to... David mini- Morrell, Morrell, He went from Cuba to Minneapolis, yes. I'm like,
1: Bro, that's a pretty big departure, but he seemed pretty happy with it. Yeah, yeah, my cab driver went from uh, Ecuador to Minneapolis. So oh, was I'm that like, right? What are you doing, bro? You know, what some
0: mean? people love that out yeah. there in the, in the Midwest. It looked good on TV, and obviously did a great job as well, filling in for Jim Gray. So we'll talk about all of that as well. BC, I have to give a quick update before we get to our topics for today. I saw
1: Top Gun. You know, there were a lot of people tweeting at me going, Do you think uh, do you think Luke had day sex after Top Gun because it's like the movie would just like you know, it will be like a like a, right into the middle of your relationship, like a okay. movie would do, do that? that? Movie <laughs> didn't
0: do that for me. I can be very clear about that. But I will say that like
1: Spanish Fly.
0: That's what it would like have Spanish been. Spanish Fly, No. Uh, the movie is fucking tremendous. Okay, if you, okay. If you've not seen it, I don't know what you're doing. I'm
1: gonna assume it. you're saying special effects. An arena, you know that that shit, manliness, coolness. Yes. But is the is it an action? Is it a better story than the first one too? Is no,
0: it? it's not a better story than the first one. But there, are, there's like clear. It's it, it is it is designed. If you go in there to watch it, to pull you into the one from the '80s, it wants you to be inside of that movie the okay. entire time, just in a more modern capacity. And the action scenes are fucking tremendous. Is,
1: uh, does Tom Cruise do any subtle recruiting to uh, to the Scientology at all? <laughs> I don't think so, I didn't pick up on any of that. I gotta say,
0: for people who didn't grow up in the 80s, Tom Cruise, A, becoming an action star, was kind of unfathomable. And that he's become a lasting one is altogether even more shocking. Him and Robert Downey Jr used to be a very different people in the 1980s. Does he
1: have uh, like old man slash Stallone abs? So he's
0: got, okay, so there's one scene where they play like this game of football on the beach. And of course, you know, what's his name? Miles Teller or whatever yeah. the fuck. He's, you know, on all the he sauce. He was
1: excellent in whiplash.
0: He was, yeah, he was on all the sauce and he was jacked up. Cruz is at that last stage where what they would he was constantly putting on t-shirts in this movie. So they got him like definitely trying to play the part, but they couldn't put the camera on him for too long. Otherwise, yeah. you'd be like, oh, yeah, you look old as fuck, bro. Yeah. So he was constantly putting on T-shirts. I'm just going to say this. Ghost in the theaters. The movie is fucking awesome. It's a lot of jingoistic bullshit, but it's a really good movie. Uh, the missus, she, she liked? She loved it. She right. loved it. Tremendous, All right. tremendous. All right. But we also had fights to get to from the weekend. So want to remind folks, if you want to reach the show for anything, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to be
1: for that. And, and how about David Appleton at uh, Friday's fan submissions normally on Wednesday. But Friday's, oh my God. dude, from France, that, that man, wow. Bro, even Big E from Yo, WWE I, was I, how, shouting how us How awesome is Big E from WWE? Love that guy. No, if no,
0: he's watching, I said this on Twitter, folks are like, oh, you should get him on RSD, Room Service Diaries. Yes, open invitation. I know he's obviously dealing with some other issues from an injury he had yes. in retro- uh, no, Big E,
1: we will, we will put you on a plane, yeah. we will put you on that couch, yep. and I don't care what it says what seat you're sitting on that plane, you'll be in Delta 8, that <laughs> that's, day, right. row 8 that's where you'll be, that's okay? Right. right there with us, okay? That's right. Thank so, you.
0: Uh, looking forward to that if it ever happens. I uh, want to remind folks as well, um, let's see, we did the like, oh yes, Showtime.com is the label that pays. You could have seen Brian on Showtime if you had had it. If not, you can get it now, Showtime.com, 30-day free trial if you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. And then, what else am I forgetting?
1: I think that's oh, it. you know who else said they would merch sit is. on that couch? You know who else said? Well, Steven Jackson said that. I saw him in Minneapolis shout out. Okay. More Ronaldo said he would sit on that couch. Is that he right? doesn't sit on anybody's couch these days. He's oh. a legend. He sits back on his own, on his own couch. That's right. Okay? Uh so. also reminder,
0: morningcombat.store. I think BC has some uh, merch on. You can go and see all of our cool stuff out there as well. All right, BC, you ready?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm,
0: I'm good. I'm all right, better. let's get this party started if we can. Topic number one, we start with the UFC as we usually do. Alexander Volkov, frankly, made incredibly short work of uh, Jairzinho Rosenstrike. Did it in the first round. But here is my question for UBC to kick off today's show. It was an impressive win. It was a very quick win. And it was, we'll talk about the stoppage in just a second, but all things told, you know, it was a dominant win for the most part. Um, did we learn anything new? about either guy.
1: Yeah, I think I, th- I think we came away learn- learning some stuff about these guys. Here's what I learned from Alexander Volkov, that despite the speed and the ease at which it seemed he lost to Tom Asperall at the time that I was talking him up big, I think he's still kind of who I thought he was coming into that fight despite that loss. Of the elite guys, he seems to be Luke on the bottom floor. He still hasn't done that thing that's gonna say, okay, if he gets to the title shot, he could win it. But I think this was a big step back in the right direction, controlling distance, landing, meaningful, powerful strikes, Uh, being a presence, you're not gonna take him down easy. I mean, I I learned again that, you know, he still may end up always having trouble with the guys like Gon and the guys like Asmall. That just may be the deal, but he's still in that category. What we learned about Rosenstruck, and you can tell me if I'm being too harsh, is he's not in that category at all, Luke. No, he's not. In fact, in a lot of ways he's going in the wrong direction uh, in terms of not just the lack of adaptation to his game and unfortunately this fight was so quick it didn't really get to show us that, but part of the reason we didn't get to he didn't get to show us that is because he didn't try to show anything, Luke. He's just sort of waiting for that big opening and that big moment. And sorry, on this level, that, that opening is not gonna come. You have to find it, you have to create it. You've gotta do something, he did nothing. And that's why when there's, you know, I thought you were gonna open and say, BC, what about the stoppage, was it okay? Dude, I, well, yeah, yeah, it was okay. Cause he, went, he wasn't doing anything regardless, you know, beyond that, Luke. This was a, a bit lifeless, would you say? A little bit lifeless.
0: You know, we, we, it was exactly what we, sometimes we do these previews on Friday and you know, there can be like a tenuous connection to how the fight went for good reasons or bad. I thought our analysis on Friday, given how the fight went was like, directly on point, yeah. which was for Rosenstrike, he has got to have another gear if you want to beat elite opposition. All of these fighters sometimes talk about how well rounded they are and they're working on other parts of the game. And it's not like that's not relevant, but when you really get to the top of any division or top ten of a division, frankly even top fifteen depending on the weight class, you have to be able to answer the question, what can you use to actually defeat elite opposition. What can you do to influence a fight to defeat elite opposition, especially when your A game may not be relevant or taken away or somehow is not the most forward part of your game that night. Dude, he went right back to what we said he was going to do, which or we thought what he had been doing, I should say, which was just waiting for the counter-strike, waiting for the counter-strike. Waiting. And yes, he had got a couple of shots off because it was pretty clear This might be one knock on Volkov. It was clear to me that Rosenstrike had a clear speed advantage, a good hand speed advantage, which makes sense if you want to have a counter-striking game. But beyond the counter-striking BC, what was there, whatever has been there? This is my point. Yes, if you want to box with him and you are overly aggressive, he will probably put your lights out. He is capable of doing that. But for anything else, I don't know what he brings to the table for the elite heavyweights at all. What is he trained by? I'm not even sure. I think he trains out of his home. His home. Okay. In, well, I think he's done some training in,
1: in Florida. You know, without knowing even who trains him, it's hard to step in and say, "Well, maybe it's the training. Maybe you need a big change." He's, he's also a little, a little bit older. I think too. we're at a point where you do need a big change because it is a trend now of stepping up to the highest level and losing it in ways that can't just be explained away like I did or tried to do with Volkov and saying, okay, that guy's just better than him or that's a bad style matchup than him. No, unless you're a washed former name going in the other direction, it seems, Luke, like uh, you're gonna have a chance to just out chess. Rosenstruck. Um, I I didn't like it. I didn't like anything I saw from that. So I don't know what that change is gonna be for him, but he's gonna need something because you're gonna be gatekeeper going that way very quickly if you can't figure this thing out.
0: Well, I mean, again, some of these, it's interesting, like BKFC, we didn't talk about it on Friday, but they signed John Dodson, and one of the points I had made in thinking about it was that like BKFC hasn't signed a ton of guys but they have been an interesting wrinkle in MMA free agency where Rosenstreich has lost, what, three of his last four, or even four of his last, something like that. I'll to look it up here in just a second. He might be a better fit for that, to be perfectly honest with you. Greg might Hardy, be. by the way, is now gonna take a boxing fight, so there's there's that as John well.
1: John Dodson just signed with the BKFC. That's what I, that's what I just said. And did to you what, say John Dodson? I was, I was. <laughs> Who are you, Luke Thomas? I was listening to the song in my head, it was fantastic. <laughs> um, but uh, also, uh, one of the cooler males in in middle America uh, Big Tuna, Ben Parrish. Yes. You no, know that you know mm-hmm. that guy from yeah, Bellator. He's, he's making his pro boxing debut this weekend. Is he well. really? Yes, I didn't know is. that.
0: Okay, well, shouts to Big Tuna. But the point I'm trying to make is, I think his game might be quite well suited for something like that. But against the elite MMA fighters of the present moment, I, there's just nothing else there. Now, the reason why I asked the question about Volkov of BC, which was, did we learn anything new? I'm not sure we learned anything new from him. That doesn't mean though that there's nothing to praise. Here's what I did want yes. to say. He got run over by Tom Aspinall, he just got completely run over. Dude, to bounce back in this fight where he stayed busier, he defined the range, and then when Rosenstruck was trying to get a little bit more active with it, he met the moment and really put it on him, pressing him against the fence and then firing a nice shot, closing the show. Dude, this was not just a good rebound performance, it was a reminder that the place he holds now in the heavyweight division, a, it can grow from here, but at a bare minimum, I think he'll hold it for quite some time.
1: That's very fair to say. He, it, it, whether you think he's, you know, the, the best of the second group or the, or the one of the lowest of the elite group, he's showing you that he can overlap in both and that he can bounce back with this type of win. And to hear him even say afterwards, Luke, you know, if something they studied on the tape is that Rosenstruch can be uh, very vulnerable when his back gets up to the cage and his defense tends to go away and it becomes more fight or fight or flight and he panics a bit and lets go. And that's why when Volkov did get him backed up there after that big shot, he was going to do whatever it took. To end up forcing that stoppage, and he did at the end of the day. But Luke, I still don't know how Volkov is going to close that gap to the super elites. That is something, um, is there still time in your eyes when you look at his game? Is it something that you know, it's it's better strategy and if he's gonna be against somebody like Gon, for example, who has such a speed and, and, and advantage with being clever, how does he counteract that type of thing?
0: The athleticism disadvantage is gonna hurt him a little bit. I don't think he's a bad athlete, but he is nowhere close. Not not many of the guys are, frankly, to like Cyril Gon. Did you see that video I tweeted out where he was in that celebrity soccer match? Yes. Gon, dude, for a big-ass guy. You've seen the video we of him, had him dunking. We had dunking on having yes. seen the shit, yeah. So he was dunking, and then he was in the soccer match, and dude, he was nimble as shit in that. Yeah. Like. I don't know who can compare with him athletically. So in that sense, and Aspinall too, by the way, seems like he's a phenomenal athlete as well. So in that sense, I don't know if that bridge is really crossable, but 33 years old, Volkov, significantly improved, fantastic rebound. You know, how high can he climb? You look at the the rankings, uh, you know, he's got some hammers in front of him. But here's where he stands at now. This, he's at 7. He'll probably jump maybe to 6 or something like that. Like maybe he stays in place because Rosenstreich was sitting at 8. I guess we'll have to see how it goes. But it's Aspinall. Okay, that's out. There's Derek Lewis, which he did not seem interested in the rematch. They asked him about it afterwards. He was like, eh. And we all know the story. Most amazing comeback by Derek Lewis. But Volkov was beating him for, you know, 14 minutes and 59 seconds, Three. basically. Then you have Curtis Blades. We saw what happened there. A little closer, but there was a wrestling issue.
1: But I mean, could, could could there be a want or need for a rematch with Blades only because that fight was almost two fights in one? Like Blades controlled the early action and was great on the ground, but then he started to gas and Volkov came on. Is there any, I'm not saying it's going to be high profile or anything, but is there, does that, would that make sense because that first fight was close? I
0: actually think this is a real interesting sweet spot in the top five. I'm going to read you three names to answer this okay. question. I'm going to read you three names. These are ranked consecutively 4-3-2. Curtis Blades is four, Tai Tuivasa is three, Stipe Miocic is two. Now Miocic can wrestle, but assuming he is, I'm not going to say washed, but let's say at the very end of his prime or really in the post-prime stage, you wonder what Volkov could do, and the Tai Tuivasa fight to me is winnable in either direction. He's sitting at three, so while I don't see a scenario where Volkov becomes champion or beats a guy like Gon, I do think there is a scenario where he could really make, you know, start banging on the door of the top three, potentially even top two in this division if he can get a couple of interesting wins. Or, to your point, if he can get a rematch with Curtis Blades, even though Blades was able to out wrestle him, I do think there is reason to believe that the second fight could go differently.
1: I agree with you on that. I don't, but I think you're overlooking bringing up Tuivasa's name. Isn't he linked to be fighting Gone? Yes, but what I'm saying is, Even if he came off a loss, it wouldn't matter. Volkov is sitting at seven. True. Tuivasa is sitting at three. I was gonna ask you. If they meet in the middle a little bit. I was gonna ask you for Volkov to make that leap. Okay, now he's he's at a good place. But to get to a great place, who is the name or the type of name that you would need to see to further the idea, oh, I could see him contending for a title and actually Blades. having a shot. Blades, Blades would be that guy? Blades.
0: Because Tui Voss and him are gonna strike and maybe the one with yeah. the first big shot lands yeah, or I mean, whatever.
1: Hey, Tui. Let's bang. Well, let's bang. Let's it's hard. Yo, know, it's, you
0: know, it's hardy. By the here. way, did you see episode one of season three of The Boys? Uh, I haven't seen any of the boys. Either. Oh my God, season three, episode one. There's a lot of male dong in that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a, scene, there's a scene in the episode. Or the, <laughs> you're, yeah. really,
1: you're really not talking me into it yet, Luke, okay? You know, you yeah, like, okay. It's like, but yo I, BC, there's hammers in this show, you'd love it. You know? Nope. It's, <laughs> like, a, it's like a locker room. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, I forgot, Tui, you didn't ask. Uh, Oh, yes, the Blades one. The Blades one, to me, would be the most interesting one because the Tui Vasa one, they could go back and forth. It's hard to say. You know, you might favor one more than the other, but that's pretty winnable in either direction. Stipe with the rest, a little bit harder to say. He He might fight John Jones, and who knows what happens after that. But the Blades one, Blades is also young, Blades is also going to be a contender for the long time, and Blades beat him previously with wrestling, which is still a much improved part of Volkov's game, but still not necessarily as far as he can take it again. 33 years old, which is young, frankly, for heavyweight. I, I think that might be a fight. you look The Vasta and the Blades mm-hmm. fight, those are the two ones that I might be looking at for him going forward, depending on what else happens. In the
1: no, division. I can agree with that. What I can agree with is, uh, remember the 90s movie Wild Things? Oh yeah, dude, come on! That was Denise Richards. Yeah, the but but in in and I and by the way, I stand by that movie as being good. Not great, but it's, it's good. It's, it was good in the theater. Well, good for what? Good for, for a few fucking things. Seventh Here's what's not good. It's not necessarily a left dive into the uh, off the highway into the ditch on the level of Million Dollar Baby. And I'll never forgive my dad for recommending the movie or Clint Eastwood. But Luke, it does take a hard left turn when uh, Kevin Bacon comes out of the shower and they and they show his dong. And it's like, you know, I used to think, okay, well maybe that's like, like the entry fee we had to pay to get that other scene that we're talking about.
0: Oh, I see. So in that
1: regard, do you think that's a good trade off? It's like, you can see Nev Campbell and uh, Denise Richards in a threesome with this guy yeah. or you could, yeah, but you have to look at the dick of Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, like that scene was so gratuitous and unnecessary. I wonder if, like, yeah. Bacon heard, like they might be into it. He's like, "Oh yeah, dude." What was the uh, What was the movie Eastern
0: Promises, where Viggo Mortensen has to fight for his life nude in the shower? Oh, I didn't. see And that. I'm
1: like, listen, this scene is already graphic yeah. enough. There's a scene like that in Borat with the with the fat guy on the bed. Yeah, that, that's it. which one? You they, I've seen more. Oh, where they wrestle naked? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it is, it is so far, like left field over the fence. Like,
0: Do you remember you what know? his t shirt said at the professional wrestling event? No. This asshole's just for shitting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, we've been in the studio five minutes, and we're like dick and balls. All right. Um, anything else to add on the UFC main event about which direction it goes? By the way, I, if I'm just speaking out loud, Please, if we don't have to have that many UFC main events for fight nights, I'd be okay with that. Um,
1: if we don't have to have, like, wait, what?
0: If we can have a contenders' fight between two highly ranked people in another division other than,
1: I just feel like these heavyweight fights. Yes, there's, there's not that there's no value to them, but as headliners, they're not. That you UFC can't put a fight card out without them, without heavyweight in co-main or or the main event. It, it seems sometimes.
0: I know, but don't you think that's a little much? Like, I would have rather had Ege and. Uh, no, Ev- no, I
1: was I was okay with this.
0: I really? Was okay with this. All right. Yes, yes. All right. Well, with that in mind, we transition now to the second topic. Let's talk about that co-main event. Let's talk about a real hammer. Yeah, dude, uh, unbelievable performance by this guy. movstar again. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, and I watched the fights on mute, so I don't know how they said it. Evloev. Evloev. Ev- he basically had what I would argue was maybe the best performance of his entire career against Dan Ige, winning being unanimous decision. Now, he didn't put him away, and all of his fights have gone all the distance every time. But BC, you know the term, UBL, no, not Osama bin Laden, upper bound limits. Oh, After watching what he did— let, a, me,
1: let me Jim Gray you and tell you inappropriate in this time. Oh, right what he, would, he was like, my
0: Glock's on it, on, yeah, on yeah. tank. Uh, what is the upper bound limit of Evloev?
1: I asked you before this fight, uh, will we end the fight? Will we come into MK on Monday and say, you know, let's add this guy to the Russian hammer list? And what that list basically is, is people born in Russia, usually Dagestan, or former Russian bordering countries that look to have next in this entire sport. Luke, I didn't think, you know, knowing how good Ige is, even with the odds what they were. I didn't think i'd be putting his name on the list dude his name is not only on the list i'm trying to figure out how close to shavkat rakmanov this guy should be you know how close to all these other russian hammers coming on that we love
0: kazakhstan but okay you
1: get my point um luke he's coming on and i know you said you know i haven't watched all of his fights it hasn't always looked like that but how it looks right now everything he throws and lands is hard it's efficient it's short He's got a motor and a half. He's no joke on the ground, and to, to to wrap it up in a bow, he seems to have that that backbone from that that side of the world seems to produce in the fight game. I mean, he he looks like he's a train coming on. And it was sad to see Ige take on so so much damage when I know he he didn't seem to have the firepower to do anything to have low F, to, to to dissuade him at all. Luke. The
0: firepower may have been an issue too, but I honestly thought the thing that stood out to me was you look at you like. When they had the tail of the tape, you can just see Evloev is just so incredibly in good shape. But honestly, the thing that this stood out to me was to his fight IQ is super high. When you go back and you watch this fight, the thing that stood out to me was he never elected to fight on Ige's terms. When Ige would yeah. blitz or try to get into some kind of strike, yes, yeah, sometimes he had to roll and absorb it, but most of the time he was out of the way, out of the way, out of the way, or out of the way then countering, or just finding Ige in between steps, in between punches, and then getting underneath for a takedown. In other words, he initiated his offense on his terms, not on Ige's ever. And it must have been so frustrating for Ige because, yeah, he could land a little bit here, land a little bit there, but he couldn't put anything substantive. There was no two, three punch combinations that were ever available. Even the ones that landed were kind of deflected. And then on top of that, you know, he yes, he could stop a couple of takedowns, but in the end, He's just so relentless. His timing is so good, and his understanding of when to press the gas in the fight, when to hit the brakes, when to go for the takedown, when not. Plus, BC, when he gets you down there, his control from the back, his wrist control. Yeah. he doesn't threaten a lot of submissions, but he just makes his opponent work on his terms. He's a brick Everything on is on his, his terms.
1: terms. He is a brick. Yeah, dude, he's house. a
0: sensational yeah. athlete. He
1: knows on top his of way of around the gym.
0: I, also, he's just got great genetics. You know, I've worked out a lot in my life. I've never, <laughs> I've never looked like
1: that. Look, would you say the scary thing about Evloev and, and other guys like him right now who seem to be coming on is it's not just the, the 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 insane grappling ability and the pressure that they can put on and the gas tank that they have with that and that sort of exterior, but you can also see it coming from the internal toughness, but, like, dude, the IQ, like you're saying, it, the, the the idea to know how to... I mean, the idea to... to, to <clears throat> They're going after the gas tank and the heart and will of their opponents. Yes, and and they're doing it in such a a, a calculated manner that I don't know where the hole is. That's well, what I'm well, saying. You you know, know, we're going to we're say- gonna talk
0: about Cambosis and his Moine games, but the there's a real big difference between the the bullshit he was trying to pull on Saturday and what someone like Evloev does, which is I mentioned it before. Look at how Dan Ige, who by the way is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, highly experienced competitor. Right? You could say he's fallen short against the upper limits of that division, but against Gavin Tucker, who I take very seriously as an opponent, he dusted him off inside of a round. Like He is a very good fighter. He had to constantly reinforce his own composure. He had to constantly find you know, this balance between urgency and composure because what Evloev does is, again, I'm going to only launch my offense on my terms, never yours. You can never kind of build on what you're trying to do. And then on the ground, you are always playing catch-up with him. He is always one, two steps defining what's next, and you're just trying to cover the distance of what he has done just to keep up. Now, the big knock on him, and I think it's fair, he is not a devastating finisher. He has zero finishes in the UFC. All of his fights have gone the distance,
1: but... But, I, but don't you have I have zero fear because everything he throws is hard, heavy, and does damage. Look, so, okay, I'm
0: glad you brought this up. I have zero fear against guys maybe seven to ten. Okay. I got to tell you, I, I think that might cost him down the line, and I don't know when,
1: and I don't know against well, his who. His style is, is set up to accumulate damage, though, so that's maybe why I don't fear it. His
0: style, I mean, if... like when, Against Volkanovski, that shit ain't going to fly. It's not going to fly. It's not going to work at all. He is gonna take all that shit where you're defining the terms. Because Against Zabit too, it won't happen,
1: but if you ever fought Zabid, what
0: happened? If Zabit ever stopped being a doctor and came back to fight. It. But against a guy like Volkanovsky, who's gonna make you react and make you think and then make you zag when you're supposed to zig and then he's gonna take advantage of it, Evlahov has a very much of a wait style, wait, 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 go. He's almost like a much more polished UL Romero. A little bit he's just a much more calculated careful where Romero didn't get in these like wild exchanges all the time as he developed as a striker it was I'm gonna wait block block roll slip blah 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 and now when I want to go I'm going to go now he would have these wild blitzes which Evloev does not have but the idea of like taking my time it's gonna be on my terms not on yours we're not gonna have these exchanges he's got a lot of that and I'm gonna bring up the rankings here tell me who you would favor against him Evloev in the 145-pound division. Oh, all right, I
1: love this game.
0: All right, now uh, you know. Granted, he is ranked in a different spot, but I'm going <laughs> to read you the top top seven. How about that? Uh, okay. Actually, top eight. Fuck it. Let's do top ten because Ege uh, was. What well, we
1: need to, we need is a hammer. Yeah, Ege, and
0: we, we have a hammer on set because we need to, to ring the bell. Yeah. Okay, so he beat Ege pretty cleanly. This is a phenomenal fight. I saw people suggesting this one should be next. Bryce Mitchell. Wow! That exactly is a right. Great. Now here's fight. the difference between them. Bryce Mitchell oh. grabs the fight by the scruff
1: of the neck. Yeah, nick. I mean he'll he'll chew coffee grinds, Luke. We've seen that. We've seen footage of that. I've done that. That's not that big a deal. But oh. um, yeah. Uh, what do you think? What's your gut tell you? If Evloev is as good as he appears to be in some of those other intangible character categories, including IQ to adapt and and you know have we, ground game obviously, but if the difference in them comes down to the damage that he can land. Yeah, I'd pick him right now. Off that performance, seriously, I would. I would.
0: Giga Chikadze. See, I would favor Evloev more against Chikadze than I would against Mitchell. Better style matchup, right? Because one of the things that a guy like Evloev can do is catch a kick for a takedown, and kicking is a huge part of Chikadze's game. Seven. Then again, Bryce Mitchell has handled a couple guys with more ease than you expected. And he's a better finisher, as well. Um,
1: Sorry, Bryce. Seven. Josh Emmett. It's tough. It is tough, and I love Josh Emmett, but I'm taking Evlo at, at this point. Okay, now here's
0: where you start getting to the real heavy hitters, uh, at least metaphorically speaking. Six, Arnold Allen. Now Arnold is very high fight IQ as well. Yes. He's taken almost no damage yes. in his career.
1: Uh, for some reason, I still need to see a little bit more from Arnold. Oh, he's you're hanging. Like, he's been steady and solid. Okay. And I know his last finish was was real quick, right? Uh, it like, was Hooker. It was it was the kind like it was the kind of performance that he had been missing yes. up to that point. Yes, so yes. I I do realize the momentum he's on. I don't know if he could beat Evlov. I don't know, Luke.
0: Okay, five, Korean zombie. I take Evlov over zombie because he can control him on the ground.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Thank you. Oh, we got thank the hammer? You. We got the Russian hammer. We got the mallet. Thank you, thank you. Here we go. Okay. Yes. four, Calvin Cater. Now, that's an interesting one, too. It's a very interesting one because Cater can can really box. Um, What's your gut telling see, you? See, I don't... Uh, man, my gut's telling me to go to the Russian hammer, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, eventually, like... You don't know what you don't know. If you haven't been there, you you, you don't know. um, uh, Is that the bridge? No. Dude.
0: Okay, here's where we get real interesting three, Yair Rodriguez. See, here's the thing. This is not hard to pick. Rodriguez is such a phenomenal striker, but if Max can take him down and hold him, you have to imagine Evloev can do that. (laughs) Two, Brian Ortega. Now, that's a little bit dicey because Brian Ortega's got a hell of a ground game.
1: But Brian Ortega needs to make a major change, and that's uh, his lust to get into, you know, boxy matches that quickly turn into life-and-death brawls. Like, Luke, he's got to get off that shit. And while he was able to rescue his name against Volkanovsky to a certain degree by the drama of his, like, out-of-nowhere submission threats, um, we haven't seen a, a like, balanced strong performance from him since the, the Korean zombie comeback fight where it was just dominant. But like, he seemed to go away from that. And I know that, that you can't fight like that against everybody. He had the distinct speed advantage against the Korean zombie and that's a big part of why that looked like a, the masterpiece it was. But dude, when the, he's just, dude, he's he's ready to get, he's ready to go all the way in the first date, Luke. Every moment of every fight, you know what I mean, and it probably it probably is in reality as well because his his he's got a Derek Jeter like run going. But my point is, Luke, that nobody loves Ortega more than me. Nobody loves to talk to the talk it, people into the idea that in any given matchup this guy can beat anybody. And I mean, we've seen it. We've seen the flashes of brilliance.
0: I think Ortega we'll is a little smarter than you're giving him credit. No,
1: he's very smart, but he's too content to lean on his intangibles. He's too content to like. Oh, I'm just gonna go in there and have fun, but I'm not gonna panic if I fall down because I know I can rescue myself. He leans on the on the ability to rescue, I think, far too easily.
0: Gives you a real, real appreciation for what Charles Oliveira has done with something of a similar game. Very true.
1: Uh, so would you would you bang the hammer for of love against Ortega? We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I mean, he did look are. great, but Dan Ige is also, let's, I mean, let's not bury this. Bury this hammer up your ass. Dan Ige, as much as I love him, Luke, is showing a trend of his upper bound limits as well. Maybe, so maybe. is this a little bit of a fool's gold or is this 16-0 and 0 Evloev ready to join that list that also has um, Islam Machev?
0: Maybe. The last two, of course, Magomed, would be Holloway Magomed. and Volkanovsky. I would favor those two over him, but you get the idea. Like, you can at least imagine a world. Right, Zabit. That, and then there's Zabit, who's okay, not even well, remotely relevant. By the, well, the way, Ilya Tzapourio wanted him, by the way. Who
1: Will wins? It, Zabit
0: versus Evlov. Oh, Evlov.
1: Did you have you not been watching except for that? Have you not been watching? Except for that one <laughs> round against Cater, have you not been watching? Have you not been watching? <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Well, with that out of the way, BC, let's move on now to topic number 3. We'll talk about a little bit of boxing. We'll come back to the UFC card in a minute, but let's talk a little bit of boxing. Topic number 3. Here we go. How about it, BC? Devin Haney outclassed George Cambos. Yeah, I hate
1: to say I told you so,
0: like, to the rest of the world. Not to you, Luke <laughs> BC is BC is very upset at all the angry DMs he got, so I'm gonna let him have first word in here, obviously. He becomes now the undisputed lightweight champion. I want to come back to the fact that there's, like, three fights, three fighters in the last year that have, like, gone undisputed. I don't think I've seen that in a while. But point being is this. Beyond capturing the belts, BC, what
1: did Devin Haney prove with this performance? What did he, what did he show you? He showed me... That, that the flashes of brilliance we've seen in this most recent run of, of you know pretty good names that he's beaten from Gamboa to, to uh, you know where he got rocked late against Linares and on and on through the the most recent victory against Diaz, it showed me that all the stuff I talked. On Friday's show, about who I think Devin Haney really is at the end of the day, did he have a little hiccup against Lenardis? Yes. Did he have things to question? Yes. But that skill is is different, and it's potentially great, and I mean, really great. Which is why when we had that sort of debate Friday, I said, "Look, do you, when you look at him, do you see a future Spencer Crawford?" And I'm not saying this performance answered that question. Yeah, I don't it. I no, I didn't see that. It did not solidify it for a few reasons. But does it? take you in that direction, it starts to take you in that direction. Because this is who he's supposed to be, and when the stage was the brightest, flying to, I mean, he's 23 years old. And when you know a little bit more about his backstory, like, he had the chance to go the Olympic route and the amateur route, and instead his dad and him made the decision at age 17 to turn pro, only you can't get a license in the States at 17. So he went to Mexico and was fighting in Mexican bars, basically. And, and put together like a run of fights, and got experience against all different styles as, as a 17-year-old Luke. Then they went shopping for a promoter and had everybody coming after them. So they've been very calculated to get to this point. And Luke, I know that I always say, let's not com- let's not compare anyone to the suit, to the real greats. Like let's never compare someone to Floyd because Floyd is so different, so special. Yet what am I doing? I'm going Shakur Stevenson. If anyone looks like a pretty boy Floyd, it's him. There are some elements of Haney that are that are almost Floyd-like, and I think this for me, who's been a big boaster of him despite some of his growing pains. And no, he's not a big commercial asset, I get that. He is who he is though, you know who he is? He's a great boxer. And at its core, I said coming in, and let's not forget, 23 years old, went to enemy territory, 40 plus thousand, booing the national anthem of the of his home country. Oh, yeah. The whole scenario with his dad flying down there last minute. Yet he went in there and he just, he, he seized those titles. And I do have a lot to say about Cambosis, but to just stay on the Haney side first, what did he show me? He's the undisputed lightweight champion of the world at 23, and he's beaten good names to get to this point. And if if none of that, all that pregame stuff was going to mess with him, and this was just a matchup of skill versus skill, not only did I like him, Luke, uh, I liked him big. Now, I ended up predicting he would win eight rounds to four. It's funny that two of the three scorecards were that, even though none of us think it actually should have been eight rounds to four. I scored it 10 rounds to two watching it, you could have scored it, you know, twelve nothing if you wanted to. He absolutely dominated this fight, and there were a lot of our hungry, aggressive Australian boxing fans that DM slid me hard with the cleats up, saying, "You know, I'm going to screenshot this. I'm going to remember this. You're, you know, you're all over Haney." No, if it, if all is even, and it turned out to be Saturday night when they touch gloves, and, and none of that stuff was an excuse or anything. Dude, Haney is special, and it's going to be boring at times because there's some there's some Floyd in him. His ability to move his head to set up his offense, to work from distance, to have an educated but hard jab, and to you know not waste his right hand. I mean, is he as exciting as you would want to be? No. Did he did he dial in and go for the finish? Not really in this fight. It was about controlling the terms. But Luke, that's maybe that may be more who he is down the stretch. But that's not going to stop him from winning big fights. Will will it stop him from certain commercial gain? Maybe, but that ability, whether he needs to if he's under pressure or whether he just wants to, to basically say, I'm gonna outbox you from this distance and there's nothing you can do about it. Show me, show me guys that can beat that. There's not a ton that can beat that, Luke. It was
0: incredibly special. I mean, you're right. Like There is, I think, a fair criticism of Devin Haney that he is going to be, how would you put it maybe? Opponent dependent, given how exciting he yes. will be. So in this case, Haney, was so far past Cambosis that Cambosis had, dude. Cambosis' offense barely fits into the picture of this fight. I got a lot to say about. There's Kambosis. almost yeah. There's almost nothing to say about his offense because it barely ever materialized. I think you picked up on something we should just really harp on one more time. A 23 year old kid flew all the way to Australia to fight the hometown guy who was coming off the most celebrated win maybe of the year in boxing, certainly his career went into a stadium with 40,000 of his countrymen, there was all those Greek slash Aussie guys chanting in the corner like, a, like soccer hooligans, and he silenced all of them through 36 fucking minutes of boxing by being vastly better than, than, than George Cambosis. I was saying this like heading into the 12th, I'm like, look man, after the 11th round, I was like, look, is it possible that Cambosis could pull a rabbit out of his hat in the 12th? Yes, it's possible. But skill for skill, these were not peers. Devin Haney was far superior, and to have that composure, because I was thinking about this, was the, was the is Cambosis the toughest fight that Devin Haney has had? No, it's not, it's not the toughest fight, but, the circumstances yeah. tell you everything you need to know about his upside. The distance he's put himself between himself and Cambosis. His craft. Yes, yes his craft. And, and, I, mean, I, so well, I want to discuss- say this, but the, the, the guts it took as a competitor. Oh, and by the yeah. way, credit to Cambosis for doing what he but did too. The guts
1: of a 17-year-old going into like Tijuana bars boxing
0: professional. Dude, major, major fucking cojones on that guy. And his composure when he's getting booed in the whole nine. Dude, he shut up. Forty, They were quiet as a fucking church mouse what, what in do you that like? stadium. What,
1: what do you, because I see a lot, but I may be, overdoing it, we're gonna find out. What do you like about his game up to this point? Haney?
0: Yeah. His jab was phenomenal, his jab was phenomenal. He builds behind it, doesn't quite have the same might or gumption that Spence does. Right. I do think that there's a big difference between them.
1: Not as not as offensively inclined as a Bud or Spence to finish a guy when he has That's him, right, or like but that. he's got
0: extremely high fight IQ. Again, the jab is phenomenal, he can build stuff behind it and the dude, dude he, was boxing, he was boxing literal circles around
1: him. Dude, his head movement is so, and he isn't wasted either. Some guys no. are just constantly moving and that's their style. Think of Dom Cruz in MMA or, or yeah. what have you, although there's calculation between what Dom does. You get that, but dude, his, I mean, he sees everything and he's out of the way of it. So again, this is a great, it's an elite win given the stakes. But at the end of the day, I had questions and concerns, of course, is Cambosis potentially an elite opponent or somebody who just, in the best case scenario, in his favor against Lopez, pulled the perfect upset and had to get off the canvas in round 10 to do that. I think, Luke, this for Cambosis was, uh, he was who I thought he was coming in. And I know that we overlooked Which him. is what, a good lightweight, which but not is, much better? Which is a good lightweight, who, who on given nights could give great lightweights some, some issue or, or beat them. But he's not great. and it's not a knock against him. he's 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 kind of overachieving to some degree. But I have a lot of issue with how he fought this fight. You know what he fought like Luke? He fought like a guy with a guaranteed rematch in his back pocket. And that's essentially what he has. Look, let's not lie. like, he 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 dominated the, the free agent market after the win over Lopez, meaning Cambosas. He had suitors everywhere. Him and Lou DiBella, they they ended up going with ESPN and in and, and Bob Arum and Top Rank as their co-promoter. Then they got they they used that to lure Haney to come over. But Cambosas had an automatic rematch that you normally only see for the champion in situations where the champion's you know marketing size is so much larger compared to to the opponent. Was it was, is
0: the, is the rematch clause automatic because he was a mandatory? There's a oh, what's the rule there in boxing where you have the 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 a side automatically gets the rematch or the, sorry the belt holder automatically has the rematch clause I don't
1: I don't, I don't know specifically what okay. you're referencing uh, this was a situation where, as far as my knowledge what was negotiated in which okay. is obviously smart to do the problem with this is there's a major problem one Cambosis fought like a guy who who basically said and he said this afterwards he's, you know when they asked about him losing he's like look I had a game plan and I carried it out and and everything he talked about was well don't worry though I'm gonna make the adjustments for the rematch he fought like a guy who came out there thinking and knowing I'm gonna get two fights, so in fight one, let me try my best to beat him this way, which turned out to be boxing from a counterpuncher position, and if it doesn't work, don't worry about it. As long as I don't get knocked out, we'll just do the rematch. The problem, obviously, is that nobody wants to see the rematch, and nor should they after that type of performance. I never saw Cambosis, although he did land a, a single punches, he had a few okay moments, but not only did he never put stuff with it to combine because he couldn't catch up to Haney, he never went for broke. And the reason why that, in the end, and now look, you can argue from a strategic standpoint. If he realized he's gonna lose it with plan A, is it better to not get knocked out if you're getting the rematch anyway, strategically? Is it better for him? I, I don't know, you could argue that. But it's not better for the commercial side of this or anyone's care level. And I think he screwed himself. And what do I mean by this? We had fears that Haney might secretly have a bad chin, right? It was that hook against Lenaris in rounds nine and 10 that put Haney running around, you know, covering up, doing everything he could to avoid contact. But we never saw that again from Haney. The times that Devin Haney puts himself into trouble or near trouble is usually when he's up big in a fight and he gets very comfortable. Think when he put it on Lenaris for eight straight rounds. And, and, you know, look, when he's in control, then sometimes the, the safety comes off and Devin Haney starts to let his hands go, and those are the moments when you can catch him with something. Cambosis never allowed himself to get to those moments, meaning he was almost too responsible defensively. He never went for broke and and tried to lure Haney enough into a fight when Luke, tell me if I'm wrong, in a skirmish is gonna end up being Cambosis' best chance to take advantage or steal the fight, right? By wobbling Haney, by doing that, he's trying to counter with a guy who is light years ahead of him in terms of actual boxing craft, speed timing, uh, you know, and to be a counterpuncher against somebody that good. The
0: angles he was using are ridiculous. And
1: Haney was so great because once he realized that, oh, this guy's only gonna counter me, that's part of why Haney, didn't go, Haney wasn't more offensive and more exciting. And again, I think that's just going to be who he is. If you come after him, he'll be exciting because he has to. But if you're not going to make him do that, he's just sort of like, yeah, man, I'll win here all day and I'm fine with it. Cambosis never tried to make him do that, Luke. And I hope it wasn't just from the idea of, okay, this one didn't go our way, but we'll do it again. Because seriously, nobody wants this fight. So even if, if they have to make it you know, because it's a, it's a contractual thing, you know, then go ahead and make it. But there's not going to be. What do you? What do you? What do you tune it in for? How do you, in you, oh yeah. How do you sell
0: the rematch other than Cambosis can pull the cord, the rip cord on the contract? And, like and dude, short I, of that, what on earth would be the sales angle? How, real quickly, how did you score it in your mind? Ten rounds to two. That's how I had it, dude. And the four rounds for Cambosis. Let's be very clear about that. That is fucking generous. Yes. That is very generous of scoring. So when you lose ten rounds and the two he scored. Frankly, one of them, to me, was a bit of a pity round, but like, okay, either way, he got two rounds, at least cleanly, maybe, let's say. Dude, how the fuck do you sell that? Like, he
1: barely did anything in the two rounds that and he won. you know won. what I hate about it the most? Like, how did he make his name? He made his name but by I being- taking the fight to Lopez, he, yes. And going after Lopez, and luring him into a fight, and taking, don't forget the whole- He f- dropped Lopez in the first fucking yeah, round! Yeah, but I was gonna say, before that drop, he got his ass kicked by Lopez in the first round until that drop, that's why that round was one of the best of, you know, one of the most wild rounds we've seen in years. Dude, he didn't go after it and try to seize it again. He played with some, he played like somebody knowing he had a mulligan, knowing he had a second chance, he had a, he had a immunity idol, whatever you wanna call it. Only nobody's gonna care now. I mean, if you're Bob Arum, and I did see there was a quote from Arum, I don't know the context of it, but he said, look, I'd love, I love to match Haney in the future against uh, Lomachenko. Of course, of course he would. We would love that. Luke, wouldn't it be great? We don't really know Lomachenko's current standing as it re- t- relates to the Ukraine conflict and whether or not he's willing to go training and all that, although it seems like Usyk is, is gonna enter camp for Joshua this summer. But if you can find a way as ESPN and top rank to say, okay, Okay, if we still owe, we still owe Cambosis this rematch. But hey Cambosis, we take a little step aside money? Lomo, are you ready? Because we can make Devin Haney potentially into a into the star that his ability screams he might have the potential to be. Imagine him against Loma on pay-per-view for all four belts, like. Like that's what I want to see next. I don't I don't think we need this. And I'm not saying the second fight couldn't be better and it couldn't be closer. Dude, if Cambosis goes for broke, he's got a shot to try to, he can't, to, to like, try to bring in the of But like what the would have closer? to be different
0: the second time? For me, one of the big differences was there was a couple of like very fleeting moments where you saw a little inkling of this. He has got to get Haney up on the ropes. Yeah. If Haney has room to move, he can't win. He cannot win. He has to corral this guy either into the corner or on the rope line and then press him there. Short of that, what would be the adjustment? I honestly don't even know at this point.
1: And dude, I'm not mad at like Campbell. It's like, like he's, he's fun, he's an opportunist. He worked hard to get to this point. I'm just, uh, that's, he, he didn't show who he was in this first fight at all. You, you, don't you want to go out swinging? Don't you want to, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, it's easy for a consumer to say, but the thing that got me
0: was when he missed weight initially on Friday. Yes. So then he makes it, and it wasn't, he was huge over. It was just 0. 0.36 pounds, but you know, rules are rules, so he had to make it, and then he made it. And he claimed that the scale was off at the hotel yeah, and And dude, the and then, then he says it's part of mind games. Well, what fucking game? Like, I saw all 12 rounds. I didn't see any fruit from that tree being planted. Like, he was too clever by half with this bullshit. Like, we were talking about, well, I'm going to play mind games with this guy. Dude, you missed weight. That's, there's no game here. You can, you can lie to the crowd. You can say to whatever. Media will just repeat what you say. That's fine. But, like, the reality was, not that he wasn't up to the task. Or you know, I, Again, he beat Lopez fairly, and he earned this opportunity. And, by the way, it should be credited with him as well all that razzle-dazzle stuff he talks, it is good for selling the fight. Yes. But at some point, you have to be self-aware. Like, that's not enough to beat Devin Haney. Even when he's flying all the way across the other side of the earth to come fight you, at the end of the day, it's about skills. And dude, Devin Haney is uh, better by
1: a lot. So, in the rematch, I think he would perform better because I think he's, you know, not, nothing else to lose, so he's got to be himself. I also think that could speed up his exit, and that's going to be, if there's any hook about the second fight for me, it's going to be if Cambosis comes out and really tries to win it like he should, can Haney then stop him? Can Haney stay out of trouble and finish him? That'll be the, the, the hook and the look, what to look for in the rematch, but man, it's tough because... <laughs> Like, now I'm wondering, were they going to screw Haney? I mean, you look at those scores. Two judges, eight rounds to four. 116, 112. Well, you know, and uh, dude, here's, the thing, here's the thing. It wasn't like the crowd was in that fight. So let's say, let's say Cambosis. you add on two rounds where he actually, where you legitimately could have said, oh, yeah, that, those are his rounds. Like, two more rounds. Only two more. You're telling me that would have been a draw? Like, are you fucking kidding yeah, me? Yeah, fuck off. So, that, so what? So we could have gone to that rematch, like, oh, have, Haney needs to get justice for us. Like, this, these are some of those moments, boxing, right? These are some of those moments where you're just like, I, I see you, I see you, you know, Is
0: the rematch, is it? I know he has a rematch clause. Does the rematch call for the fight to
1: also be in Australia? I like, don't know the terms of the rematch clause and again, I'm hoping that if you're Bob Arum and company and ESPN, you can try to, try to find a way to say, okay, well, we'll, well, can we do it a little bit later? You know, can we push it off? Because yeah. Yeah, you can't run that thing right back. I mean, in the, in the end, they may have to. What, we saw Deontay Wilder go to court to make sure he got that third fear right. fight, right? That's right, won the arbitration, he yes. That's fight, I mean, a, a deal is a deal. I have no issue with that. I have an issue with not putting your best foot forward the first time around and seemingly just going, no, don't worry, mate. We'll see. You. We'll see you at the rematch. You
0: know. Um, I think the, the the Lopez fight, the Haney fights, are really what you said. It was a now we have a much better sense of him, which is, do I put him on par with? I don't know how high Ryan Garcia is to be candid with you, but he certainly got a big you mean,
1: name. In terms of THC.
0: <laughs> no, in terms of like who are the better guys at 135. I I, I wouldn't put him at the very very top of the list. I, I don't think. But I think you're right. If they don't take him seriously he can absolutely beat them. dude. But if they do take him seriously and Haney yeah. looked to be fucking dialed in, I'm not gonna say it's hopeless, but it's an uphill climb.
1: Haney and, Gar- and Ryan Garcia, by the way, fought four times the amateurs. They went two and two. Wow. So they have like a legit history and they both fight, or Haney used to fight for DAZN, so it, it seemed like it was a no-brainer matchup. They never, were never able to, to make I have, it have a question for you, though. Yeah,
0: We have witnessed in the last year, because I think Canelo fought plant in what, like November, right? Yes. So not 2022, but 2021. He unified 168. Then we had this one, unifying lightweight. Then we had Jermell Charlo a week or two ago, unifying. Dude, is it my imagination or are, are guys going for it in boxing in ways they haven't gone for it in quite some time?
1: I, I've been saying this. Have I been saying this on the air? Yes, I've been but now it you everything. have like
0: this proof. Like People are yeah. literally unifying titles in ways that you just don't see very the, often.
1: We, the guys want the smoke in this new era. And I don't know if it's a reaction. Things are cyclical. And again, like Floyd handled his business in a way that no one can ever equal. I mean, he was amazing at it in terms of matchmaking, making money, always having the advantage. And I think too many guys tried to like model that and do that. But like, you know, to, to be a legend and to be really great, you got, you got to beat the best. The guys seem to want to beat the best now. So it was always hard in the four belt era, which look, people always say, what does that mean, the four belt era? People will argue. Some people think the four belt era starts in like 1989 when the fourth belt was launched, but the fourth belt wasn't recognized for like a long ass time. Some people argue it wasn't really recognized until right around like 2004, 2005 or even later. So, uh, like a lot of boxing, it's all kind of how you look at it and a little bit bullshit. But to see this trend run right now where these fighters not only want to become undisputed, where they basically, they're not just like, oh, I want this money fight and this money fight. They're like, I want the belts and what comes with that, the legitimacy, the critical respect. So to do that, I gotta fight everybody who is a champion. And it's obviously in this, in this era of networks being so aligned with promotions, it's harder to do than ever before. Yet we're doing it. So some of that also, we have to shout out the the, al- the alphabets, the uh, the four sanctioning bodies who are hard to shout out because of some of their own sins or suspe- suspected sins. But yet at the same time, we didn't used to have four bill on disputed champions because it's hard to do that and the 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 sanctioning bodies don't like to work together or wait. You know, what if they what if you're WBC and your mandatories do? And why does that matter? Because every time you fight with that title. Every time you fight with that title, you have to pay the WBC or the WBA to fight for it and represent it. It's a little ridiculous, but the whole point is that now it seems like they're they're doing less of like, well, I'm going to strip you because you're taking that fight. We want you to fight this fight. You know, they're working together. So, dude, I think it kind of started with Usyk, right in 2018. He right, cruiserweight. I, I, I missed him. Too, and then yeah. Crawford did it at 140. And eventually Taylor did it at 140. But in between, you had it a couple times on the women's side. But more specifically, as you mentioned, you know, Jermel just did it. Canelo, um, Haney. Haney, I mean, it's... it's Now, we're, now, we, now Stephen Fulton Jr., who we're gonna talk about in a second, wants yeah, to wants, he wants four to belt, too. Yep. To, I love it because there's way too many titles in boxing. We've already established this. But the rare times that you don't have doubt, the rare times that it's one name, one face, one division, as Deontay Wilder used to say, like, yeah, that's when you can... It's easier to follow. You start to take it more seriously because there's not a lot of people claiming they're champions. No, we got an undisputed champion. Um, yeah, this is what... This, dude, good things are happening in boxing it's right now. It's fucking awesome. I mean...
0: Damn! It really is quite exciting all the MMA fans hating on it. It's like dude, if you're an MMA fan You don't like boxing. I'm not gonna hear to tell you like like what you like dislike what you dislike But if you're going to say bad things about boxing, they better be truthful They better be truthful and the idea that like right now Things are shitty either promotionally or from an athletic competition standpoint is just so far removed from reality I barely know what to say. All right, we move on Topic number four, BC, you were there there on Saturday night in Minneapolis, Stephen Fulton Jr., how about this guy? What a fucking marvel he is. Just, let's just say it out loud, he outclassed Danny Roman, and it wasn't especially close ever. Wide scores the whole way through. BC, I would love to get your take on this, but here's one thing I would just wanna say. I'm not gonna say that Stephen Fulton Jr. did everything he wanted, but he basically did everything he wanted. Danny Roman, Different than Cambosis. Than I actually thought he did try to go for it at times. Yeah. But Fulton was just yeah. way too
1: good. He made a very good, sometimes great fighter in Danny Romano, a former unified champion just two years ago. He made him look average. I mean, I... Th- Hopeless is what I felt Fulton I was the betting favorite. You were a little bit higher than I was on the idea that this could be one sided. Like I, this, Look, we looked at this saying this could be the fight of the year. Why? Because we saw Fulton and, and Angelo Leo early last year in a, in a great war for the title. Then we saw him against Figueroa, which was my fight of the year. This was not a fight of the year. This was one sided, and he made it look easy, which means he's even better than we thought he was. Yes, Luke. he is. And, you know, we were starting to say, man, a couple too many wars in a row. Is he become, is he a Philly fighter? Is he got, you know, is he his own worst enemy? No, he's better than we thought he was. And he explained it to me in the post-fight interview. Luke, do you remember how much Brandon Figueroa went to the body? And that was a big part of why that fight was so close. Yes. Danny Roman could not sniff his body. Nope. And Fulton did that. I sniffed obvi- your body before. Yeah, well, it it smells like ax, ax deodorant ax me what it <laughs> smells like. Um, I mean, look, his ability to hold that distance by being sharp with the right hand, by having an active jab, and most importantly, with the footwork. I mean, again, he made Danny Roman look slow, and, and, and you know, this was a Danny Roman who, all year layoff, which was the longest of his career, like, he knew about the reputation against him that he's a late starter. He came out hot and aggressive, but man, if Fulton can do that to elite level talent, and do that, I mean, I'm not saying it was easy, he worked his ass off, but to make it look that easy and to not take big damage in return, then he's uh, someone really special. And we talked, you know, could he crack the pound for pound? This is funny, yeah. I, I asked he's, him afterwards. about to. And he's like, oh, I already been in that. I don't care whose list you're talking about. And, you know, it's going to be hard to argue with performances like this. He was only, he was in the fighter of the year discussion last year. Now we added this performance on top of it. You know that, of course, we want to talk about, you know, could next or, or how soon could we do this four belt against uh, John Akhmadali of the guy who beat Danny Rahman by split decision two years ago. But do you know that Fulton not only wants that fight next, he wants a new way to move up, and he wants to fight him after that. Like, this guy, Stephen Fulton Jr., cool boy, Steph Scooter, he's got a million, you know, names you can call him. Dude, he wants the smoke, but, like, he actually looks to be good enough that, that, um, don't, don't sleep on this guy.
0: My only criticism of him is that rat tail I just don't quite understand, but short of that, his <laughs> You know, I almost abilities. was going to ask
1: him about it during the interview. I didn't want to get in trouble or whatever, no, that, no, you no, know, no. think I'm going in a weird direction, but, uh, it's a badass move. It's, you know, who can pull off. It's a rat very, tail? I, by the way, Lucas Matiste pulled it off? Matisse, but when we were kids
0: in the 1980s, kids had that all the time. Yeah. Like, there were lots of kids with yeah. rat tails. I don't know it's what.
1: It's kind of it a Hector Camacho type thing to have that to get oh, yeah. the curly right. Yeah, but let me say right
0: this. So we, granted, different sport, but we, we started today's conversation talking about whether Rosenstruck has, in the UFC, has different ways to win. Now, obviously, boxing is different, but this is the point I wanted to make. The reason why I was a little bit higher on Fulton Jr. than you were heading into this fight, although we both had the same pick, was that. I did not think Roman could do what Figueroa did in terms yes. of making the fight just as fucking brawl. And if Figueroa can't beat Fulton at Figueroa's style of fighting, I didn't think Roman had much of a chance, and that's exactly how it played out. Yes. Dude, Fulton can fight you anywhere, any style, any stance. Boots gets all the credit from Philly for being this like genius, but I'll say this. I don't know if Fulton is the genius that that Boots is. Maybe he might be. By the way, I'm just saying I don't know. But I'll, I'll I know this for sure. He is either at on par or pretty close to it, and battle tested against guys who are proven champions. Fulton Jr. can win any number of different ways against any number of different fighters. That is scary this was this was a
1: statement performance so it wasn't just the ability to limit what roman's doing and roman tried everything like he tried to go to the body he tried to be a one punch counter puncher he tried to get off with his jab none of it would work did you notice though in the seventh round roman finally got inside for a little bit so for like a minute and a half you're like okay i'm gonna give this round to roman he's oh wow we're gonna we're finally gonna see this action fight we were promised dude fulton switches to southpaw and cracks him with a left hand just absolutely look at these guys up here luke look at this
0: Dude, you look so red on national television. Yeah, that's
1: cuz my skin is the color of red lobster, but that's, you know, that's great. But uh uh, you know, uh, dude, I did I did pull off that tweet there. I, I, I no,
0: no, no. You, you looked good, and the questions were great. You pulled it off quite smooth. I just thought I was like, is he going to burst into a strawberry here in a minute? Like, well, wow, the Kool Aid man lost weight and put on a suit, and now he's interviewing fighters. I texted in the my ring.
1: wife a picture. I'm like, you know, your husband looks good. She's like, you look like you're you're going to be a, a busboy at the local country club or something. <laughs> I was like, you know, so I'm like, like Luke Thomas, even I can't win it. Yes, no, you can't. Well, uh, who can win is is full and home or away, but um, you know, his ability to do that, and then he tried to get the finish, and in, in round 11, he he started on and walking him down I don't know what else you could have asked for it's gonna to be tough to no one finishes Danny Roman but nobody beats up Danny Roman like okay. that
0: so the only question I have about this is not how good he is he is insanely good how literally doable yes. is the Akhmedaliev fight for folks okay. who don't know Murjan on is a fucking hammer as well he is, he's if he I saw his fight. you can catch it on YouTube against Danny Roman over on DAZN that was a another fight of the year contender that was yes. a legit so, Akhmedaliev can fight his ass off what do you think
1: um, I think Fulton will be favored. I think Fulton is more How skilled. How doable is it? How doable? That's the key question. Is can you make this fight? Currently, uh, Acquamicia fights on the on the He's got a fight coming up against Ronnie Rios, which is a decent uh, defense of his titles. But Luke, if you're going to have a chance at at undisputed, this fight's not going to be big enough for a pay per view or a two network. Like it's not it's not possible. Can they work out a deal for him to fight on this network, you know, given the the four belt? I, I think it's possible. And in talking to, to Steven Espinoza, like you and I have uh, you know, on camera or whatever, he has never backed away when it's brought up of the idea of making this happen. Showtime, as we know, has made a giant commitment to this division and it's worked out and we've got player players, but to have an undisputed champion, you're gonna need MJ, as they call him, Um, So I have confidence that they can make it. Now, would that be next? I'm not sure, I don't know how quickly, I don't know how that's gonna work but conversations are gonna to have to be made, and uh, to, to have this run and this chance at history, um, I think it would be worth I it. I
0: think just a year ago, I thought Akhmad was unbeatable in this division, and now I'm like, no, he's beatable. I don't I know if he'll he lose. Is. I mean,
1: he's a machine. He can he can box, but but he's just forward pressure. He's yes. coming after you. Yeah, he's
0: a, well, he's from what, Uzbekistan? Yeah. Yeah, well, that area, they produced the hammers. They produce the hammers. All right, BC, topic number five, we'll end with this. In the entirety, of the combat sports weekend. So that could be boxing, it could be UFC, it could be whatever you saw. Who impressed you other than the names we've talked about
1: today? It's not gonna be a surprise given my love for the 115 pound division and the UFC. Even on Instagram or just in general? And in, in uh, the women's side of things. Seriously, carolina Kovalkiewicz. It what was win. not only what a, a job saving win against a now retiring uh, Felice Herrigan, their rematch from their 2018 split decision. But Luke, the, you talk about a feel good moment. That was feel great. To see the emotion on her, because basically here's where Carolina was at. She was losing against good names, but then they were starting to add up, and then suddenly you're on a five fight losing streak. You're a name, and her, her performances former... before this one were just lifeless. In all five were. It started with that that brutal knockout loss she had against Andrade with the left hook, where you were just like, oh wow. But what she started to realize was she believed there was more stuff left in her at 36. She believed that she was better than she was showing but she knew she was gonna have to shake things up. So she was the one who made the call to Yoana Young-Jacek, her former foe, and was like, how do I get into ATT? I, I need to get into this, because previously she'd been training with her husband and, and her sort of, you know, more of a local team and not up, not a, not a super uh, gym, but she left her animals, her husband, and went to Florida, got into ATT, sparring with Yoana regularly. She She basically went all in on what's left of her. And I'm not going to act like sending Harrigan to retirement means she's ready for a title shot tomorrow, but there's a difference between being ready for a title shot and where we go, you know, sorry, you got to go. And if she had lost six in a row, you got to go. For her to do that and show you Luke that, like, there's something still there. I mean, there was the the mean streak that they were talking about in the broadcast team, they were hammering that home. But, like, I also liked heavy, straight strikes on the ground. She was so aggressive. You saw her twice go after the submission and eventually getting it. To see somebody kind of lose it all before your eyes, but then not end up in BKFC and actually put it all back together to kind of see what's left, like it's inspiring at at the end of the day.
0: I think we we lose sight often in the sport. We, We talk about skills, how good is their jab and footwork and cardio and all this kind of stuff. But really what binds it all together is confidence. What kind of competitive confidence does this person, do they really believe? And when you get knocked out and stopped and choked and beaten, do you really believe you can beat other people anymore? Other elite fighters? Do you really believe you can do that? Like, it's a very important question. If you don't believe it, it doesn't matter what skills you can produce in the training room. It all goes away on those nights. And for a while, it really did. For her to salvage this in the way that she did and get the, and get the finish on top. It wasn't like she eked out some. like, eh, you can kind of give her the nod. No, no, no. She, she finished her opponent. That was big, and I have to say, you know, certainly I've, I've, I've you know, I don't think you want any. J. 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 and I are best friends, but I will really tip my hat. What a nod that is! What a teammate yeah. you have to be, selfless in the way that she was to bring over Kovalevich, and and, you know, look, when, dude, sometimes in life, sometimes there's no other way to get where you want to go except for someone giving you a hand. Yep. you need someone to pull you up off the floor. You cannot get off by your get up by, off the the, the, the canvas. By yourself. Dude, You want Joanna check did that. She gave her a hand to pull her out of this, I don't know what you want to call it, this terrible place she Similar was in. Similar to
1: me pulling you out of Vox and...
0: I don't think that's the right analogy. I would actually look at it the other way. But the point I'm trying to make here is, BC, in all, in all sincerity, don't you really... I kind of appreciate
1: that. I appreciate it a lot. I really
0: appreciate and I also, it. I appreciate it. That's, that's, that's a genuine, look, that's not a competitor thing. That's a human thing to is. do that. It is.
1: And I'm not, and I don't know you on as much as we play up this whole thing, but like to see her being called a bully in the first roast fight, to get the, the humility of losing her title by knockout, then losing the rematch. And then, you know, she's come around and her and Rose are like this now. They've trained together a few times. So now to see you want to give the same, you know, edge uh, to a former foe and, and they had a, you know, very uh, very good title fight that uh, that Carolina fought well in, but they're, they are country women at the same time. So to see that... Um, I just, you know, you like to see somebody figure it out and that was a good moment for Carolina. I, I don't know where she can go with this, how far she can take it, but you did get the feeling, Luke, that this wasn't just a feel-good story but that there's something in the tank, right?
0: Yeah, title shot, I don't know. Right. I don't know what no. that means. But yes, like, do I think that Felice Herrig is the only Uh, 115er that she can beat, based on the way she looked. No, I I think she could probably get some other good wins. Now it's a tough division, so you know could her next fight be a bad loss? That yes, and that wouldn't even be some kind of indictment. It could just be that's because you fight enough of these top 115ers, bad shit
1: happens. But but she's no longer just following her opponent around. That's right. You know, and that's that's a big key right there. Uh, Quickly on Herrig though, because. I, uh, about, Pop quiz, um, I called her pro debut. I saw you tweet that and I was like, what? What was the situation? What's so the she
0: thing? was, she was, now she had done kickboxing. So I didn't call that, she had had a decorated career in kickboxing yeah. prior to that. So this was her MMA debut. And I think it was like 2007 or eight or nine. I was calling fights for an organization called the UWC based in, uh, basically in um, the campus of George Mason. It was the then Patriots Center, now Eagle Bank Arena. And uh, she fought, I forget, oh, she fought um, a girl who was like, <laughs> It was funny, Herrig was brought in as like something of the B-side to the local angle. This woman had been homeless and was living in a tent and blah, blah, blah. And um, by the way, they're just doing construction here behind us. I don't know what the fuck is happening. Can we
1: happening. get a shot of these guys? Um, I and mean, they're true. just like, hey, let's just, get, let's just just get sure. ladders yeah, out in the middle yeah, of these motherfuckers' points. Yeah, all
0: right. Anyway, I was just trying to point out that I called her pro debut in MMA, which tells you I'm an old piece of shit. That was well, obvious was the promotion. Before.
1: Did you say the promotion's name?
0: You, it's called UWC, oh, you did, you Ultimate yeah. Warrior Challenge. I think someone bought the rights to it because the guy who was running it passed away. But Who, uh,
1: James Hellwig, the Ultimate Warrior? Was he running it, Luke? Um, That was his name, James Hellwig,
0: The yeah. guy who shook the ropes yeah, and shit? Yeah, it
1: was. So here's the thing. It's weird. Um... Felice is not like, I mean, she's kind of a pioneer. I wouldn't call her a legend, but she's been notable for a while. I mean, she's sure. always
0: been a tough out. And she's she was in phenomenal dec- condition for this fight.
1: And to, and to hear her own sob story in a good way, I say Saab because you know it was emotional of coming back from two ACL surgeries and being like, no, I want to end my career on my own terms knowing I gave my best effort. She came in in the shape that showed you she was going to give the best of what's left, and she yeah. fought scrappy and hard. And I mean, she fought off that first submission. It was like life or death. In
0: yeah. there, you know? I mean, listen, not everyone's going to be champion. Not everyone's going to be in title fights. Not everyone's going to be in pay-per-view. But but she
1: fought everybody from that era. That's
0: right, but I believe Felice Herrig fought very tough competition, had a lot of success, and had a very commendable career, and she should be quite proud of herself.
1: By the way, um, we forget sometimes that Carolina once beat Rose in a number one contender fight. That's
0: a great win. Yeah, I don't know if those days are coming back. No, I think that has probably passed, but that she could recapture some potential lost glory for sure. To answer the question about who else impressed you, uh, Jeff Molina. Uh, impressed me a little bit. Had a good win over the guy, Zuma Gula, I can never pronounce his last name. Um, that was pretty important, but did you see he wore, the reason I shot him out was one, did you see the tattoo of Columbia on his
1: back? I didn't see the Columbian tattoo. It's a little it hard, a a little hard
0: to see because it's the shape of Columbia. Most people don't know what the shape looks like. We're
1: seeing the tats on the big screen here.
0: Yeah, uh, it's on his back on his left shoulder if blade. If anyone
1: can pull it out, it's Gaff. He pulls it out anywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait, him or
0: Phil? <laughs> wow. Uh, it's on his back left shoulder blade, but the point I'm trying to make is it was hard to see because if you look at the Colombian flag, it's got three colors, but they're not even... Right there, dist- right there. Wait. yes, right there. But you can see, uh, he's got mostly blue there, but the reality is the Colombian flag is mostly yellow, so it's a little hard to see. But in any case, he wore pride colors, which is like, if they want to wear them or they don't want to wear them, it doesn't matter to me, like, you know, live your life. But he was like, oh, I'm gonna wear the pride colors, and then he had all of these fucking troglodytes in his mentions tearing him up. So then at the post-fight press conference, shouts to Jeff Molina, took them all to task. Oh yeah, he's done to one, hell. Only thing I would say to Jeff is, Jeff, phenomenal win, you're a great guy, but welcome to MMA. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is this <laughs> is silly. kind of what it not is, bro. Not surprised, mother. And by yeah. the way, I saw a lot of people being like, oh, it's MMA fans, they're so terrible. Well, listen, I've interacted with a lot of MMA fans in person and they've never been that way. So a couple of caveats. One, it's certainly not all of them. Two, it's mostly just the online brand of them. And three, I'll say this, BC, it ain't just the fans.
1: Yeah.
0: It ain't just the fans. It's the it's the fighters. Sometimes the media. Sometimes the promoters. Now, not all to the same extent. Everyone's got a different kind of responsibility there, and um, you know, and not everyone is that way. But like to just say, oh, all the toxic ideas in MMA come from a certain subset of the online culture, from the fan side. It's accurate, but it's it's in the sense that they're guilty of that, but they're not the only ones. We should be you very, very clear that about that. That study
1: where they checked the sporting backgrounds of all the Jan Sixers that ran up the steps, and like <laughs> so. 68% had done MMA training. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I just made that up. I'm just kidding. I'd believe it. I knew you were going to believe it. I'd believe it. it. I I'd gonna, believe uh, it. Uh, but in any case. they, uh, all, Sha- they all, For some reason, they all stopped after getting their white belt. They,
0: you know. Yeah, well, that happens. Uh, uh, but shout out to Jeff and Lee, a solid win, and... You know, it takes a lot of courage to uh, you know go against yes. the fervor sometimes of the online communities, wherever they may be. What do you think these two? These are motherfuckers doing? are just playing charades <laughs> they're, they're, back here. They're playing like, Dungeons and Dragons is great, you know. It's, just you know, fucking off on the job, leaving ladders around. Dude, are, are these the Hardy Boys? They're about to have the tables. What's it called? Tables, ladders, and chairs? TLC. TLC? Match. About to have one of these TLC matches. I here, these motherfuckers. Oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah. All right, oh, wow. uh, that's it for the top five.
1: Okay, here you go. There, there, oh, for more on MMA, can they watch Extra Credit or are going to do that? Yeah, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning.
0: Okay. I don't have time to do it today. Because you wouldn't.
1: know a lot of people are going to be like... Luke, how could you talk about this weekend and not talk about which fight night? No, no,
0: I'm gonna get to Bo Nickel on the uh, extra credit, and I'm gonna talk about Bouchesha and some other stuff as well, so extra credit is gonna come. Uh, okay, but that's it for our top five, BC. It is time for us to no longer answer each other's questions, yes. well, we'll probably do that too. It's time for us to answer y'alls. It's DMs from the Diggity Donks. Yes.
1: We've got mail. Viewers? Viewers. <laughs> All right, from Punch Drunk Pete. Oh, shout out to, um, you know the darling of the uh, YouTube message board, uh, Nicola, Nicola? Oh, you mean the comments? Yeah. Yes. She was from um, the U.K. Yeah. or Scotland uh, or the Wales. One of the Scotland's two. in the U.K. Yeah, but okay. One of those. Um, uh, she wasn't doing well, but then we shouted her out, um, and and she had some health setbacks, and she's on the comeback. So well, well done, MK viewer. We, yes, we very got good. Back. Okay?
0: And also, if anyone knows about health setbacks, it's these two washed pieces yeah, of shit yeah, talking yeah. to you so right now.
1: So much love for, to our very few female viewers. But and then, here's some more producers just walking around with headsets. That's Who the, they're talking you, to? You, I you, don't know. He, Mish, come real quick, the model. This is the best piece of merch we got. Look how oh, good it looks. It is. Manich, right here. If you go to morningcombat.store right now, you can purchase uh, uh, this fantastic yeah. hoodie. Um, Manich, can you have anything good to say about it? Great hoodie, super comfortable. Uh, yeah. Tie dye is nice. The logo is nice, and it's nice too because if you throw a jacket over it, you can cover the MK logo, and it's just like you're wearing a tie dye. <laughs> oh wow, that's, that's great. Nice. That's great. If exactly. you're ashamed
0: of associations like yeah. this one. <laughs> All right, from Punch Drunk Pete, BC. What yes. are the top five biggest fights you could make in boxing right now, and where would a Tank Davis? versus Ryan Garcia fight rank on that list? I
1: think that is on that list. So we're talking about largely commercial, but also like meaning at the same
0: time. Yeah, when I I think big, I mean sales big, important fight. What what I think
1: think the the biggest fights you can make in the sport are, I still think if AJ beats Usyk, then AJ versus Fury in an English soccer stadium for all four heavyweight championship is the biggest you can make right now. Two, Spence versus Crawford, for the welterweight. Which talk. by the way,
0: my Coppinger of ESPN reporting over the weekend that, that they're almost in uh, the Oh, that they're deal. in
1: discussions for October. That's right. No announcement of the network or anything like that. But Fingers crossed. That'd be amazing. Um, and I don't, you know, there. could you create matchups that could potentially outsell that? Maybe, but that's huge. Um, Canelo versus somebody, who should the somebody be? Is it Canelo versus Benavides that would make this list in your eyes? No, that wouldn't be the biggest. Mm-mm. Canelo versus Spence I mean, Triple G is... Oh, can, you're right. Canelo Triple G 3 is going to get a lot of attention. Who knows? It could be a, a great fight. But after that, I think it's Jake the light... Jake Paul Butterbean. <laughs> <laughs> after that, would, would you say it's, it's potentially really the, the, these big-name lightweights right now? I mean, bo- you know, Boots versus Keith Thurman, Boots versus the winner of Spence, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, all that, yes. Yeah. But right now, in terms of, like, I mean, if you can make... Uh, right now, I think Gervonta Davis versus Ryan Garcia probably would get the most eyeballs on it, given their yes. social media backgrounds, given that yes. it's a pretty much a guarantee somebody's going to get knocked out. Yes. Um, but look at this division. Haney with all four belts. Lomachenko, the former champion, who's still at very high form. Gervonta, the, the big moneymaker of the group. H- uh, Teofimo is trying to go to 140, but still around and lingering. There are some combinations within that as well that I think do just as good, if not better. I mean, if tomorrow Gervonta was fighting Lomachenko, belts or not, that might, that might outsell all those, because you're fighting the former pound for pound king, right? Yes. So any combination of those I think are in this. What are we missing though, what else?
0: So let me ask you this. When we say biggest sales, I also count the gate. Yes. If you did it in Ireland, how big is Taylor Serrano too?
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's in discussion for this. For this I don't know if it's top five, but it feels top five. Bumming. I mean, it would be it would feel even bigger there, and that's saying a lot because it was like just if in, they put that. In it Cro- was just in Madison Square Garden. Dude, and if they it put it took that over in the Croke sportive, Park, yeah,
0: like that would do, and also like European uh, uh, viewership would probably be very high for that. Um, that's a big one. Yeah, um,
1: who am I missing here?
0: Jake Paul. Serious question. Jake Paul Anderson Silva. How how big is that?
1: I think it's like a little. bit... I hate big. to
0: admit how big that is. It's probably no.
1: What's the ceiling for pay-per-view buys on that? In this era, 600,000?
0: Yeah, four, four to five, I think. Five? Okay, so that's, five. that's
1: the level I think it is, too. I don't that's, think that's it's- That's not small. I'm not saying that that's not significant. It is. It, it, I think it would beat Jake's other recent
0: ones, right? I don't know what the Woodley ones did. I couldn't tell you. All right. Even though it worked for Showtime sometimes, yeah. I don't know.
1: But the answer, that guy Punch Drunk Pete is a real MK fan. And he is loves he, yeah? boxing, too. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, all right, from TV, GC, MMA. Does Bill Haney, this is the father of yeah. Devin, uh, relax support of allowing and pushing Devin to train with different coaches his whole career? Show what Teo lacks mentally with his dad and coach relationship. First of all, we're, we got two boxing questions off the top. Our <laughs> MMA fans are losing their fucking <laughs> minds right now. But what do you think?
1: Um, to some degree, yes. Now, you know, Teo in that initial rise when he became champion did have Joey Gamache, uh, who's, a, who's a trainer, trains Otto Wallin, in in the corner, but then he suddenly wasn't there when he lost to uh, Cambosis. And, and, you know, it was explained away that Teo was running out of money, so they had to keep the dead. But in general, has Bill Haney gone out of his way to, to expose Devin to so many different things from t- turning pro in bars in Tijuana? Yes, they have Yoel... Uh, Judah, the father of Zab Judah and trainer as the sec, chief second. There has been a lot of exposure throughout the years. I mean dude, Bill Haney's a smart guy. And it was it was obviously like kind of feel good to see him arriving at the airport and son and father reunited. And I know sometimes he can turn people off because he's, you know, trainer and manager and, and, and sometimes the mouthpiece for Devin, but uh, he knows what he's doing, and... Um, I find that boxing dads there's are... There's not benef- that stability with Tao. No. Yeah, no.
0: I find that boxing dads are much better at the early stage, early to middle stages of the career. It's when they get into trouble late. Yeah. They, That's they, when the dad connection becomes mm, questionable.
1: That I mean, look, there's been some talk... I don't know if it's true but like you know did did, did Sean Porter and his dad in the corner have a right. r- very rough relationship down right. the stretch and did that retirement have anything to do with it I mean we've asked Sean about it and he he says no and I'm not saying I don't believe him but like it's always iffy when the son becomes a star and then at some point the dad feels like he's losing the control he once had or or what have you or the credit yeah. at times you yeah. know I mean I mean I don't know if you remember for the third Tarver fight when Roy Jones brought his dad back into the corner I don't and remember that. Went, that. That's funny. Not only did it go disastrously, but uh, Roy would say, in an honest moment afterwards, that he didn't want to win and he purposely stopped trying to win because he didn't want his dad to get the credit because he knew his dad would take it and steal it from. Mm. Him. That's some effed up, um, yeah, like you know, Hallmark movie stuff. <laughs> I don't right think there. my dad would even uh, show lifetime up. Lifetime <laughs> movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dude, your dad's like, uh, are you, you in Vegas on TV tonight? I need yes, you to can check. Can you run that me an pre- errand? <laughs> I need you to check that property for me. They haven't paid that's, rent. That's in a
0: literally while. true. I told my dad I was in Vegas for work when we were there for Canelo and he asked me to do errands for him for like real estate he wanted Dude, to buy. Dude, you those. could
1: really get his attention if you go fucking demand that money from those yeah, people. Right? Amazing.
0: All right, from at dog.stone. That's a better question. All right, in the early days of MMA. Were there any martial arts you guys were bummed to—I don't have my fucking glasses—bummed to discover weren't effective in combat? And are there any martial arts you wish could somehow be effective just for the entertainment value they would bring to a fight? I will say this: the early UFCs would have guys, and they looked—you know—if you—if you didn't know their like uh, martial arts affiliation, you know—we're we're talking like you know UFC single digits here, so like you know two, three, four, five, that kind of thing. But there were guys who were like, "Oh, this is." Uh, Joe Song Yeah, no, 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 no. This is like Terry Smith and he's some fucking redneck from Manitoba and he was like, his style was ninjitsu. And you, because you know, the only thing you know is like a little let's see, 1994, 93, I was 13 or 14. I don't know. No one knew shit about ninjutsu other than what you saw in well, the that, movies.
1: That was the Joe san situation. He, he wasn't ninjutsu, though. No, he was, he was Joe san do. He named he it was after Joe himself. Sando, that's he right. created his own. But I'm saying,
0: yeah. like, I had watched, as a, dude, in the, I can't overstate this. All the martial arts movies in the 80s all featured ninjas. Yeah. Ninjas were like the thing, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the whole thing. So you're like, oh, wow, I guess ninjas look like rednecks down at the pool hall, but uh, okay. You're talking about Harold
1: Howard? Is that No, he right?
0: wasn't ninjas. He was something else. But I but remember he did fight
1: in a wife beater. He, he did gotta, fight in a wife
0: beater. Uh, yeah. But I remember Pat Smith fought this guy who looked like some kind of, you know, January 6er and who claimed to be ninjutsu, and Pat Smith mounted him, but you know, like in the early days where you kind of found it accidentally, but then hammered him into uh, unconsciousness with his elbows. i sure he out. got like
1: an extra four shots before it was broken up too.
0: And I was like, yeah, yeah. And big time, McCarthy's just watching and being <laughs> like, wow, I guess we're gonna witness the death, because this was before
1: the rules were what they were. Well, they tried to sell UFC's faces was, as a death for a while. I know, <laughs> and
0: I remember thinking, watching, it, I was like, wow, dude, ninjas ain't shit. This is so disappointing. Yeah. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: That was, uh, I was really hurt I by mean, that. I mean, it took karate a while. To Every find kid footing. took karate in the No, days. to find its footing as a legit lead art in mixed martial arts, correct? You know?
0: Yes, there, there actually was an early pioneer that no one ever talks about. His name was um, Jeff Newton. He actually fought in the UFC a couple of times. He did a lot of karate. This was like in the UFC, like 40s and 50s, something like that. Um, he actually um, brought in karate early and just never got really good with it. It wasn't until like the Machida guys yeah. came through. Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy, where you were like, oh wow, these guys can actually yeah. do something with karate. Um, and you
1: know, judo's had up and da- up and down moments. Judo's I mean, had
0: a mixed, mixed uh, you know, uh,
1: I mean, has anyone have better highlights than Karo Parisian's first three UFC fights in terms of just taking people Ronda. by like the Adam's apple and dragging them right
0: Ronda. The fuck down? Ronda had. Yeah,
1: pretty... I mean, they were pretty incredible too. Yeah, but
0: there are other gold medalists who did like um, Hidehiko Yoshida, who was the like, gold medalist with 92 games in Pride. Um, he had some great moments, but uh, you know, uh, a lot of that was weird matchmaking. Uh, Makoto Takimoto like was called, another gold
1: medalist. Do you like that they're called players, judo players? Judoka. They're not called judo players. You can call them that as well, but, but that's they're called weird,
0: judoka. Right? Well no, that's what you call jiu-jitsu guys. You can call them jujiteros, but they're really ju- jiu-jitsu players. that's um,
1: just it's something there's something off about that. It just
0: it, You don't play boxing. You yeah. can play jiu-jitsu. Yeah. All right, from NY Fly 91. Does the UFC having a 42-year-old champion in Glover Teixeira, I mean just assaulting him already <laughs> mean that they don't have the best 205ers in the world or BC is he actually that good even at his age? How would he do against the 205 champs? in other MMA promotions. So the other ones would be, well, I guess it's a little bit disputed.
1: Nemkov slash Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson.
0: Right. Well, obviously he fought Corey, and Corey beat him. Uh, perhaps things would be different uh, another go-round. Nemkov did not have a great showing against Anderson, but Wait, I think did I would- Wait,
1: you say he beat him? I thought it was a, a no contest. What
0: are you talking about? No, 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 no. Corey Anderson and oh, Glover. Oh, beating Glover, okay, okay. What I'm saying is, would you favor Nemkov to
1: beat Glover, I, I might, I might. Yeah, I mean, obviously it comes down to style matchups and all of that, you know, Glover's in that fight and, and yeah. may, may end you up know winning what? it. You but know what, if Anderson takes him down, Glover's ground game is phenomenal. Glover could well, beat like, him. In some ways, this is a perfect Cinderella story and it's getting that rightful attention, you know, second oldest champion ever, but in other ways, he never stopped being really good, Glover. He just, you know, had a many peaks and valleys in in the, in the in the, in the in the area between post-John Jones and now, Luke. It, there hasn't been a disastrous standpoint there, there was a there was that one specific run where you're like is he on the way out i mean that, that he got knocked out by rumble i mean rumble sent him to the bottom of the earth luke
0: yeah and then his teeth went flying yeah
1: through. so but you know he damn i got a lot of respect for glover not just because he said he christened that couch over here he did christen that couch okay hey um by the way people have suggested that moving forward on room service diaries to keep you off of that really tall chair
0: I like the chair more than that fucking couch. That couch is like the couch from, get,
1: what's it called, Get Out? Yeah, where you just fall into the sunken place? What about the loose spring on that chair, though? That gives you a little how's your father if you sit on it wrong?
0: Yeah, that is uncomfortable. I mean, the whole set's a disaster. It's basically be a prostate
1: proper. exam, Luke, every third time you sit,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, we're going to host a podcast slash colonoscopy yeah. here today. It's going to be great. Um, Any more of this bullshit? The point i was saying about Glover is, you know, do, someone asked me this. Would 2015 DC... 2015 John Jones would they beat 2022 Glover Teixeira? Yes, they would, wouldn't they? Yeah. Okay, here's a better one. Would 2015? I know they already fought back 2013
1: then. 2013 Vitor would beat
0: him. Maybe, maybe. But I'll say this, and I know they already fought, and that this guy won. But I'm asking it in, in a new way. Does 2015 Alexander Gustafson beat 2022 mm. Glover Teixeira?
1: So the
0: the Gustafson that... Because he wasn't going back to his wrestling at that time. Like he the got Gustafson jabbed up.
1: that fought Cormier to five beautiful rounds. Well, again,
0: Gustafson already beat Glover over the course of four rounds. Right,
1: but people don't talk about that fight enough.
0: I, again, here's my point I'm trying to make. Glover has gone back to his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu in a way that he didn't quite as much back then. Yeah. And it has, I think it's elevated his performances. I think he'd
1: still favor 2015 Gustafson. But, dude, why don't you ever talk about how great that Gustafson D.C. fight was? One, one of the best light heavyweight fights ever. I mean, I remember and to find out how little DC was paid for it, and like, I mean, he he put his life on the line for that. Yeah. That shit
0: was a great dude. And that knee that Gustafson hit him with came that fucking close. Dude,
1: DC's battle tested as shit. Super battle tested. I love that man. Yeah. No, seriously, like, super like, battle tested. And he's a great ambassador, whether you like his announcing or not. Like, he's a great ambassador.
0: I like his commentary. I don't like the fact that he kind of stumps for UFC pay. He
1: carries their water.
0: Yeah, a little bit, All but right. I mean, certainly as a competitor, it's impossible to have
1: anything. Hey, Indian at the end back. of the day, you, you have to carry some water for your bosses. I mean, I mean, yeah, we do it too- I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm drinking water out of this CBS. You know, name the water. This CBS water bottle right here. Okay, that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> I'll carry it for him. you know.
0: Um, All right, last question from Cha underscore Vita. Worst name ever. All right, BC, very simple. Your favorite movie soundtrack. I know exactly the answer to this one.
1: All right. I saw Forrest Gump, first night, first showing, and then walked into the mall and bought the, bought the soundtrack. That's an incredible soundtrack, just because of the the total volume, you know. So, really aimed at that um, late '60s rock. Do you know the Forrest Gump soundtrack? Mm-hmm. It's fantastic, Luke. Yep. I've always had a favorite, two of them on the on the rock side. Um, one of my favorite movies, probably my second or first, is uh, Beautiful Girls from 1996. You know that um, that buddy movie, high school reunion movie. You know?
0: No, I don't watch bullshit.
1: Timothy Hutton. you don't know that movie, Matt, D- Matt Dillon? It's an incredible movie. I can't believe you've never seen that. Yeah,
0: I mean, you've never seen any movie by Kurosawa. So you're, Damn, you're okay, that's got, got a
1: really good one. The other one, Luke, is in the hip-hop world. I know other people say above the rim, but Juice is the soundtrack, dude. Okay, both, those, both is, of those are the wrong answers. No, Juice is a phenomenal soundtrack, dude. That is really, really good, okay? Uh, the answer is Judgment Night. The Judgment Night soundtrack,
0: they Wait, took... Wait, what movie is Judgment Night? 1993.
1: 1993. Dude, I saw that in the theater. That's Jeremy Pivens. Yes. And who was the bad guy in it?
0: Well, I think Ice-T was in the movie briefly. Yes. But, uh, it's a, the, Dennis this,
1: Larry was the bad so guy. So this is
0: 1993. You have to understand, that at this time, this is extreme... The 90s Can I fucking finish? Break. This was extremely experimental. This. Listen to these songs. Just Another Victim Who, who Did It, House of Pain with Helmet. Uh, so, uh, track two, De La Soul and Teenage Fan Club, Run DMC with Living Color, Biohazard and Onyx. Ice Team did a song with Slayer called Disorder. Faith No More, and uh, Dinosaur Jr., Sir Mix-a-Lot, and Mudhoney, Cypress Hill, and Sonic Youth. They took a big rock band and a big rap act, and they made them do songs together, and they put it all on the Judgment Night soundtrack. When this came out in 1993, this was completely unheard of, and it kind of heralded, you know, a little bit new metal, where they would, you know, sort of combine the elements of rap and DJing with, with, like, sort of heavy rock. But it showed, like... People always ask, like, "Why would you make this?" But when Judgment I was a kid,
1: Knight has a soundtrack? Are you serious? Judgment
0: Night. You've never heard the Judgment Night soundtrack. It's one of the most innovative, Dude, interesting I, soundtracks I think that of movie all time.
1: Is, is one of those fun ones that slipped in the cracks in the '90s that no one talks about anymore.
0: No, but the point I wanted to make was, when you were a kid, if you grew up in the '80s and '90s like we did, roughly the same time, the coolest motherfuckers you knew were either the, the hardcore, amazing rap guys, or like these awesome metal bands, or even you know, hardcore rock bands. And they, before anyone ever did, the Judgment Night folks put them together to make a soundtrack. And some of the songs hit, some of them miss. But it was so experimental, so out there. And a lot of it actually worked. That is your answer. Judgment Night, 1993. Suck a fucking dick. I don't think that's the right answer. Suck a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, BC, time for your bullshit. <laughs> all right, <yeah. laughs> uh, so Oh, how about this? Pearl Jam and Cypress told me this song called Real Thing. Uh, what else? Yeah, that's it. There's some other good ones.
1: Um, what I do, Luke, every Sunday is I scour the globe for the... Uh, do you scour the globe? The, what does that mean? The good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between, from combat sports... By the way, beyond. the globe is actually
0: just the physical representation of the earth. When you say the globe, you don't actually mean the earth. You, you actually, you're saying I just took a map and I turned it. Just want to point that out grammatically. Dude,
1: you... Eat my balls. Eat my balls! <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> thank you to Gaff Pierre for corralling all this absolute bullshit. It's called Have You Seen This Shit? Oh, God. Ow, ow. Uh, Luke, I want to do um, hammer home how feel-great that Carolina Kov- Kovačević victory was at Carolina. UFC. F- Carolina, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, UFC Fight Night in Vegas. Luke, let's listen to her response of getting the tap. <laughs> Finish for Poland's Kovalkiewicz. Wow. <laughs> Polly, what a performance, right? Had oh dropped five straight coming in. Kovalkiewicz. I mean, I'm not here to clown her. I'm here to say, like, that's some. that's, well, Let's just wait for that echo. Thank you, Manich. Very well done. Um, Luke, in all seriousness, like, that's like goosebumps right there. I mean, that's somebody who put everything they had into something. Yeah, Kind of like me every show, every single show. To I don't look. think that's you.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's an incredible moment. That's wow. real That's real
1: human emotion and uh, she couldn't contain it. Luke, let's watch how far the mouthpiece of biggie boy oh, this, Jairzinho got, slung. got sent flying by Volkov. Wow, dude. I think that's actually what made the ref stop it, Herb, stop it. Because he's like, this dude's gonna lose his teeth if I don't jump in. He also was just so wobbly.
0: He was, he was protesting the stoppage. Yeah, It was, in my judgment, I'll say this, a little, a little early, but not early in the sense of bad, early in the sense of,
1: could he have maybe let him get sent to the land of wind and ghosts? He could've, he could've, <laughs> but he did him a favor. Like yeah, please. Uh, Luke, uh, light heavyweight Alonzo Menafield had issues with uh, Askar Mazharov's record, so this one got a little violent, and look at the crucifix. Did you hear what him. he said about him?
0: Yeah, th- is this guy th- racist or something? Because Menefield was like, I just imagined
1: that this guy thinks, and this was his yeah. words,
0: that I'm a monkey.
1: Yeah, he said he used that as motivation. I don't know if there's proof that this guy is a racist, but they clearly didn't like each other and there was a lot of bad things going back and forth, but dude, is it? You've once told me it's white belt shit to get crucifixed like this in the UFC. No, 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 no. It's uh, no. It, there's. It's a little more complex than get that. That man's chest. Look at
0: this. Yeah, dude, he is fucking yoked. Um, no, it's not quite as simple as that because very good, very good grapplers can get put there. It was a little bit more of a nuance about the particular situation. But. Okay.
1: Uh, here's a bonus KO, Luke, from Kombatje Global, as Moses Diaz needed just six seconds to dispose this. of Carlos Cordoba Fonseca.
0: Dude, Fonseca, by the way, great
1: Colombian band. Like them a lot. Uh, Max Bretos on the call here, our, our, our good friend, Max Bretos. And, uh, yeah, that was a nice That was a nice KO. Shout out, Combate. Jab. Super wide jab. Boom! <laughs> good night. Wow. All right, let's do some Showtime Boxing from Minneapolis. Uh, cool boy Steph showing off the rat tail. As I mentioned, a bold, a bold fashion choice. I mean, you bring the rat tail to the boxing ring. You you look at
0: that fake, and he draws out the jab, and then comes over with the left. He is
1: a fucking genius. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty damn good. He's so clever. I like his swagger. I like his. I like a big fan, big fan. All right. Yes, he does give short answers to questions, though.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) I I noticed that was the one. Not like you did poorly. You did great, but I noticed that there was like a. He'd be like, "Yeah, that was the plan." And then it'd be like there'd be like a, like a two-second pause as you like teed up the next one rather than a flow. But short of that, he's, I like that he was amazing. like,
1: you know, I didn't know how I was going to fight. It was dependent upon how I woke up this morning. And I, as you can see, I woke up fucking great. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, you did, you did. All right, Luke. In the co-main event, uh, Cuba's David Morel Jr., not living in Minneapolis, improved to seven and zero with six KOs. Luke, the crowd loves the shit out of this guy yeah he's only 24 years old he has the secondary wba title at 168. this was probably his best performance i'm not saying the guy he beat hot sauce henderson is a uh, you're gonna you know that you'll see a lot of him moving forward but you know what his manager and advisor morell? is Morel morell um is um, uh, uh louis de cubis senior who is a very decorated uh manager in in boxing history he told me after this fight in the ring he goes i've seen every cuban boxer over the last 30 years no one's as good as this guy. I'll say this for him. Now, that's a... Dude, from that guy? Yeah. I know it's his guy. He's trying to hype him up. But, I understand. But, but the, to the make that he's call... Yeah. I'll
0: say this. Here's what I thought about him very quickly. Tell me what you thought. I thought his offense was super dynamic and he was beating the shit out of this poor guy. His hot sauce. He did get touched up a little bit you know, more than I would uh, care
1: for. I think he went for went for the KO in the that's first right. round. That's so right. So the in. question
0: was how much was he making himself yeah. vulnerable? But still, he was he was impressive as shit.
1: Uh, we talked about Hanny Hanny. Haney versus Cambosis from down under. Luke, on this co-main event, 43-year-old Lucas Brown was a plus 1,400 dude, underdog. Mm. And he sent Junior Fah down. Dude, when they
0: fall on their arm like that, you know what I mean? Like, that's such a bad, Oof. oh, he was. And by the way, a couple things. One, Eugene Behrman, the head of city kickboxing, was in Junior Fah's corner. You don't say that. Could be coming up. Yeah, well, hold on. The reason I wanted to point this out was, uh, dude, the ref didn't do many favors here. He gets knocked down the first time, and yes, he beat the count, but for example, you go back to the rolly fight, remember the ref made him walk, and it was only after he walked, and he was still kind of stanky leg, and he called it. Dude, Junior Fall was worse than that, and ref was like, fuck it, let's go back out. Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, he gets fucking demolished. There you go. I mean, his feet are hanging off the ring. I mean, this is not a great stoppage.
1: Brown looks like he came straight from uh, eating flesh before uh, entering this fight. I was like,
0: wow, they found orcs to fight now.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, so as we mentioned, Luke, uh, so much for the uh, undefeated CKB aura. Oh, by the way, because also. Because Coach Behrman in the corner of Junior Faw. Yeah, by the
0: way, Junior Faw was a minus 1,500 favorite and gets dusted in the first yeah, round. Plus Yeah, I said plus bad.
1: 1,400 underdog was Brown. And there is Coach Eugene. Tough night for the Faws, Luke. Um, also, Luke, real recognizing real. In the ring, oh Volkanovsky. Jason Maloney of the Maloney Twins. He was in the co-main, right? Yes. Yeah, he
0: beat, what's-his-face, the 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 Aston Day. Yeah. Yes. And
1: look, it looks good in that uh, that top. Yeah,
0: look. he does, man. Shouts to
1: Volkanovsky. Uh, speaking guy. of Maloney, Luke, he delivered Aston pelikte on a uh, one-way ticket to hell with this finish, Luke. Oh, yeah, dude. What a shot that was. And this
0: dude beat the count, too, but, well, sort of.
1: Big win for Maloney, and he needed it. I don't know if we'll get to see it again here, if you missed it the first time, but...
0: Uh. By the way, can we talk about how ESP... Or you were working, so you didn't get to appreciate it. And listen, some people like Joe Tessitore, some people don't. Some people like Timothy Bradley, some don't. I like Timothy Bradley, I like Joe Tessator. But... You had that knockout with Junior Fa in the first round, and they just vamped for a motherfucking hour. Yeah, that happens. I was that like,
1: happens. dude, stop. Was, was did they show, did they show Kovlev sitting on the couch that time before the Canelo <laughs> fight? Remember <laughs> no. with, with the pillow and he's laying down?
0: No, no. And then they, they showed a bunch of hype packages, so it wasn't yeah. just Bradley and Testor going on and on. But I was like, I said this on Twitter, and I believe it. If you get a, if you have a, if you have an hour of broadcast time to kill, and I'm watching on ESPN Plus. Give me the house feed,
1: because there were fights going on in the background, they weren't even fucking showing them. Uh, We mentioned Bill Haney got that last minute clearance on his visa to travel as uh, the father, manager, trainer of Devin Haney. Here's footage of him arriving at the airport. That must have been a long ass
0: flight. I guess, guess, because I guess they fought in Melbourne, so obviously it depends on where in Australia you go, but I'm told that there is a short enough flight where it can be 14 hours from California.
1: Okay, What's the longest flight you've ever been on? um i I haven't done that bad i've done i've done direct i really just direct from uh from hartford to to la
0: would probably be the longest the longest my dad tells me as a kid i was on longer flights than this but as an adult the longest one i can remember is i flew from dc to istanbul and that was 12. dude i was ready to hurt people by the time we fucking landed. because then you have to get off and then you have to go through customs and then you have to get your bags. To, and then you have to go to the hotel.
1: I drove to the airport with Jimmy Lennon Jr., <clears throat> the the hall, the classy Hall of Famer, and and he is, by the way, he's flying today to Japan for the Nonito Donaire fight. <laughs> and I was just talking to him, you know. I was Wait, like, the fights tomorrow morning. Yeah, he's just gonna go right to Japan like that. Yeah, he's he's a he's, he's a beast. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, and you know, I was like, look, you know, I mean, does is it. Is it? Was it wound you? Cause I go, I get off the plane in L.A. sometimes, and I'm wounded for a day and a half. He's like, Oh yeah, it it, it wounds you. Wow. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the price. Okay, Bill Haney paid that price. Yeah, he did. And you did. saw what happened. Oh, um, by the
0: way, did you hear in the corner when Mark Kriegel asked fucking Bill Haney or uh, Bill, <clears throat> like when he came here? I guess it was like second or third round, and and I think. Cambosis had just landed like maybe a decent punch or two. Like it was a little bit like not the tide was turning, but it was looking a little bit better than it was because he was just getting his face jabbed off in the first. And Mark Kriegel was like, "All right, let's go, Mark. To, let's go to the you know to the corner with Mark Kriegel, who's there with Bill Haney." And he was like, "Bill, was it
1: really worth the trip?" <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, he just like what? Like yeah. <laughs> kind of a question is that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Luke Ryan Garcia wanted to make sure that uh, Gervante was watching the fight. He tweeted at Gervante, "You watching this stuff?" We fight. Don't let it be like this. And as you can see, Gervonta with a very Luke Thomas-like response.
0: I don't tell people to shut the. fuck I only tell you to shut the fuck up. I don't tell like people on Twitter. Well, that's not true. I tell
1: uh, Luke. Out. Bonus KO. Yes, you're right. It's actually just some one. are saying the KO of the year. This was on DAZN from Cardiff, Wales. Joe Cordina captured his first Dude, world title look with at this, this shot, sending Ogawa. I don't know the guy's first name. To uh, to way down under, below Australia, with that one. Luke, did you rarely see high level boxers get hit that clean? Yes. After this fight, Shakur, I think it was Shakur, said he would get on a plane tomorrow and fight this guy. Dude, look at Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn is not even pretending to be like <laughs> promoting both these uh, boxers. I think we got to watch out for Joe Cordina now. I think we do. Dude, Luke. that was an
0: unbelievable Let's shot. Let's see it one more time. And if, if you looked at the odds ahead of time, it was actually pretty close. Um,
1: I think you, it was, was this 130 pounds? I think it was Shakur Stevenson who, who was willing to fight this guy yeah. in England, but. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get to see it again. I'm hearing no communication from RT. Oh, here we go. Here we go, Luke.
0: Just Oh bombs boy, on him. wow. You
1: rarely see something like wow. that at the high level. Uh that you know, what that almost made me rock hard with emotion, which is a great transition here because We almost set a world record from the one championship card Friday morning, Luke. His name is Marcos Almeida. Boucher. And he got up off this, that's Boshesha? That's, no, it's not Boshesha, it's <laughs> Uh Well, it's, it's, uh, it's Budonga. after this. Luke, this man has a phoner. Getting that stoppage made this guy so excited, Luke. What I the? didn't even notice that. You are the most No, depraved. don't say you. Tell our audience. I mean, I got this dropped in my DMs like 75 times. I don't think that's his dick and balls, first of all. I think it's just the shorts riding up. I don't know, Luke. This guy is He has a cup on and, so and, he has, and look,
0: he has like neoprene shorts. They threw shorts
1: that up. towel to cover it. They're like, cover that dick up. I mean, look at I that. I don't think that's
0: as You I can't don't.
1: camp out right here. You can't put, set a tent up like that right here. Come you
0: on. You know, I often wonder why I'm, like, my family just ignores me. And yeah. now I know because look at me on a Monday morning, we're examining the dicks <laughs> of athletes. And what could be, what could be worse, honestly?
1: Wow. Uh, speaking, you know who it does remind you of, right? Oh, when it comes to combat sports uh, boners, Luke, it does remind you. Dude, no. Of, okay, no, um. this one was full on. I mean, that thing, I was like,
0: I was like, did Connor go to the... The Black Raw tryouts? I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, why is why does he have a frozen steak in his, in his dungarees? I mean, that thing, that thing was, that thing was
1: Um We laugh, but apparently phoners for fighters are a real thing. If you don't believe me, just ask... Heavyweight Chris Ariola.
0: Speaking of Areolas. Fighting, man. I, I honestly get a boner when I'm about to fight. Yeah. It makes me feel.
1: There's no better competition for me than boxing. He said he got. I like
0: your- how he's talking about getting an erection <laughs> next to a clearly prepubescent <laughs> child to his left.
1: All right, uh, speaking of... Uh, Chris, a la izquierda. <laughs> if you want to hear more about Bo Wachina's boner, you can check out uh, Luke's extra credit, but I'll show you this boner from Bo Nickel with a beautiful yeah. finish in his MMA debut, although, Luke, it does look like he's fighting... Um- well, he fought the manager
0: of Wawa. <laughs> I mean, let's be real about that. But
1: <laughs> I'm not even sure. Like, what that guy's wearing, he might have been
0: wearing that on the street okay. corner, and they were like... Gonna, we're going to talk about this on extra credit, but the reality of this is this. Dude, this is how, I keep saying this to people, this is how regional MMA works. You had a guy, by the way, in the case of his opponent who had had some previous amateur experience, they were both and 0 as pros, uh, it, was it clearly a mismatch? Dude, that looks yes. like
1: Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I mean, what are we doing here,
0: bro? Hacksaw Jim nothing is more like <laughs> it. I mean, the point I'm trying to make here is, but zero versus zero guys, especially oh! when there's a big imbalance in skills athletically, is super. Super common. This is how yeah, the industry no, it works. Is, it is. Everyone being like, I yeah. don't mean shit. Yeah, it's his pro debut What are you supposed to take from it? It's his pro debut. It doesn't mean a whole lot in the end But the, like was this matchmaking unethical only if the sport is that's it.
1: I mean, which it might be by You the way. know what? CM Punk had to, had to be tested a little bit better in his pro debut, right? Yeah but well
0: that was and what was that? That was a giant mistake. It was a giant <laughs> mistake
1: uh, Luke all that hassle for the tassel, brother. Oh, I wouldn't the know. For the I'm a dropout. But uh, these people enjoyed uh, graduations, Luke. Uh, check out this, this My man. My boy off the... the stage at his graduation. Yeah. You fucking dope. <laughs> oh, God, you fucking dope. But he plays it off They well. should
0: rescind your diploma if well, you do that. Watch how he
1: plays it off, Luke. Oh, it twerks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe, do you think it was planned? Do you think it was planned now that you see that?
0: Do I think it was planned? No, I think he's a dumbass. All
1: right, let's go on to the next he, graduate. He just seems stupid. Speaking of graduation dances... Let's see this man celebrate himself. Now is that cool or is that lame, Luke? I mean, it's aggressive. I mean, if your degree is in like bedpan
0: technology, (laughs) it's pretty lame.
1: Oh, Luke, you know, we haven't had any elder abuse in a while, so let's check in on the- Yeah, dude, (laughs) you've been sleeping on that. First, let's check out an old person, Win, because you say all I ever do is send old people to hell. How about this old guy, Win. Look at your dad at the the reception, Luke. Wow. Yo,
0: my man can move. He's a better dancer than you and me combined. (laughs) He kind of looks like your dad, doesn't he? No, my dad's not that mobile. Although he's pretty mobile.
1: Uh, Let's shout out this old lady on her 104th birthday, second birthday. I don't know. Who's counting at this point? Oh, 102, on Oh, the teeth. Oh, God. oh, oh boy. the teeth. oh, boy. At least she, she played it off well, though, Luke, right? She, bro, 102? She's looking pretty good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's see old people getting hurt. Luke, you ever walk by a punch machine and think, you know, I'm an old guy, but I still got it, right? Power. Oh, is he going to throw? Look at this Power's the last thing to go, Luke, I think is what they say. Dude, look at this <laughs> fucking cow. <laughs> we, popped the, we popped the boys in the room with that one, Luke. Dude, wow. look at this fucking cow. Oh. God. You know. Oh, bro. I don't know if this next one is legal, Luke, or if this lady's old enough, but... Uh, and
0: those, by the way, those, real quickly before he shows. those are always the guys at like ball games who talk the most shit oh, to yeah. you. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. It's like, old oh, man, I could end your life very quickly. <laughs> very... I could end your life just by dodging, like whoop, and <laughs> yeah. then you just fall and...
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know what's <laughs> going on here or if we can legally show this, but hopefully I can sneak it in. Luke, watch this white van closely and this lady. Oh, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> oh. Yo, she walked it off, though. She did walk it off. Wow, right? I think that's why we can show it. Bro, that's the shittiest Uber I've ever seen. Yo, remember that time I tried to show that circus guy getting, uh... Yeah, BC's like, that. I got this guy. He uh, he
0: dies <laughs> in this whole clip. Is that cool? I'm like, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's funny,
1: because it's true. Uh, uh, where,
0: where, where in bumfuck North Florida is this, <laughs> by the way? You know, how, you know how you can tell it's like somewhere in the shitty South because look, there's no sidewalks. Get them, Gaines, see that? Gainesville, right? There's just enough pavement for cars. The people, who, <laughs> the people who planned the city were like, "Listen, we don't care if people walk anywhere. It just this, you know."
1: All right, uh, Luke, let's go get drunk. Let's do it. Let's check in on internet drinking legend Ronnie Deutsch. Luke, here's his latest
0: vid. Hero of men. Yes. Also, th- what do they call these yards of
1: beer? Yes, that is a lot of beer.
0: That's a shit ton
1: of (laughs) shit He's a tall drink of water, this fella. Six foot five, Luke, former D3 power forward, all right?
0: So in other words, he's like okay at basketball? Dude, I don't know
1: how he stays jacked.
0: By YMCA standards?
1: This guy's incredible. We gotta do the, you know, feel in the groove, do the bull dance, you know?
0: You know, this segment is not possible without um, white folks.
1: Um, well, speaking of white folks, uh, I was supposed to show the greatest video in the history of this segment, but apparently we don't have it. We'll get to that next week. But we do have this one, Luke. Uh, sh- uh, this brings new danger to shotgunning a beer. Okay, you all <laughs> piece of shit. I mean, get fucked. Get fucked. <laughs> the commitment is, is admirable, it's right, It's not Luke? commitment. This okay. guy's
0: a stupid motherfucker. Right. I mean, d- 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 he's a UNC boy. Go Duke. You know Fuck where, off.
1: You know what two things that don't go together well? St. Patrick's Day and Trust Falls. <laughs> Dude, oh, you know, she's kind of thick though. Oh, yeah, is she from South America? Oh, oh boy, oh, oh boy. She just went south, that is for sure. Uh, wow, look at them trying to set this up, Luke, the other angle, pfft. oh boy. <laughs>
0: Yo, that's, because you know what? She had a little bit of a caboose. They weren't ready for that. <laughs> they,
1: didn't, they didn't know about that thickness. I um, knew about it. Luke, you know you've been called secretly the fun police on this show, Luke? I don't care. Well, here's some great moments in fun police history. Uh, you would love this, Luke. They This guy jumped the fence to propose to his girlfriend at, at Disney World. Yeah. But because it's on the stage where the general public isn't allowed, this beefy fella was uh, intercepted. Yeah, whose titties are bigger? I don't know. <laughs> now, Luke, since you hate Public, uh, uh, yes. People is, who do this
0: deserve to be beaten with batons. So you
1: support this this one police? Oh right yeah, here. of course. Okay. Everyone
0: going out there, like people who, like I've said this before, if you go out and you like basically forcibly recruit other people to either participate in or admire your wedding proposal. You're the world's worst person and deserve to be sent to Guantanamo where you have forced rectal feedings. Fuck your life.
1: Okay, wow. Let's go back to this fun policeman. Apparently, art is not recognized everywhere, even at the ball game, Luke, as they make this. It's just. Yes, sir. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this old bastard. (laughs) A lot of people said this is Luke Thomas in 30 years when they sent this. 30 years, 30 (laughs) minutes. I'll do that this weekend at the Nats game. (laughs) Speaking of you and I, Luke, check out this reenactment of me every time I get you vaping on set. (laughs) Get that shit off the camera. By the way, I haven't vaped on set in a while. (laughs) Get that white trash shit off the camera. By the way, don't you love that our staff who set up our... uh, our uh, room service diary studios, which is right there. Um, they had the w- rolled up $100 bill in the ashtray on our first episode, I mean, with Glover. Was it a real $100 it's bill? It there the whole time, yeah. No, it's a fake $100 bill, oh. but rolled up like like someone on the staff was, yeah, like they're trying like to they're give, gonna do Coke. Like they're giving MK that image, right? We're not that cool. Yeah, not really. All right, uh, Luke, you know that old saying, nobody puts BC in the corner. Let's see some dirty dancing done right from these drunk uncles. Look at this. Wow. What the fuck? There's a preview of Ashley from Malka's wedding. That's that's coming up soon. That's later. vaguely racist of <laughs> Oh come on! Vaguely no, racist.
0: It- I'm not gonna. I'm not, it's not like you know, white hood January sixth racist. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, well that's a that's a dirty dancing win. So all good things must be followed by a vicious fail. So let's go to this dance sequence, Luke. Yo yo, spike this bitch. Blah! <laughs> oh, God. Dude, yeah. what, what do they call that?
0: The RKO What is it, some yeah,
1: shit? she had the time of her life, Luke. That looks like <laughs> Andrash versus Nami Yunus. Wow, that's great. That is so great. <laughs> Woo! Hey, let's go for some food fun. Luke, would you shop at this grocery store if you and I both got divorced and moved in together?
0: Okay, I'm not going to say if this is vaguely
1: racist or not. I'm going to let the audience decide. But <laughs> I mean, look at the title, Luke. I have a feeling it's vaguely racist. All right, I guess we could move on if that's the case. Oh, Luke, you tweeted this at me. I think you texted it at me, too. On the highway... After an accident, this this eighteen wheeler produced fifteen thousand pounds of the gross shit inside of hot dogs, which I can't tell if I'm like if I'm like getting nervous that all that great waste just went to waste, Luke, or if my liver is uh, folding back up invertedly.
0: So yeah, I, I was like, there's a lot of sad beasties out there in the yeah. world today that are hot dogless. What do you think that's made out of?
1: I don't want to know. That's one of those things I just don't want to know. You know, just like we all like a good burger. Nobody wants to go to the go to the you know slaughterhouse and watch it being made, right? Uh, you ever seen an animal slaughtered?
0: No, and I don't want to. First time I had to uh, butcher a deer, that was... Oh, that's so gross. That was, that was, that was an interesting experience, that's, watching all their guts I, I spill out. I think
1: that's what made you so hard. And then we
0: had to take the skin and then peel the skin off oh. piece by piece. Wait, yeah. For
1: what, the army?
0: No, uh, just hunting. We, we killed a deer and yeah, we, uh, we ate it. Dude, you are so much
1: closer identifiable with the MMA fan base than you realize.
0: Yeah, except I, you know, I, I read books and don't hate black people.
1: Uh, look, big week for gore violence. Let's bring that to have you seen this shit. This is in Yellowstone National Park. This boar going wild. Whoa! Oh, wow.
0: Yo, you know what? I've actually not been to Yellowstone, but like, you know, my dad's from Oklahoma, so I've driven by places where you can see bison in the wild. Yeah. Dude, in half of America, the thing that's separating you from the bison is merely like a little fence which they could clear. So the real answer is like, what separates you from the bison? It's supposed to be your discretion. <laughs> and you're these, uh, these, like you. yeah, 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 th- yeah. These, these
1: special needs people oh, she here. Lived. No, stop, it's a, it's a girl, she lived, which is why we can show it, I oh. think. I hope someone researched that. Sad. But uh, I will say that, uh, wow. Well, Dude, Luke. don't you know, fuck with the bison. How no, hard is this? and stuff? don't fuck with the bulls, because you might not get gored, you might get double gored like this mother effer, Luke. Check this shit out. Oh no, right up right, right. oh! Good lord. Looks like Lawrence Taylor on Joe you know, right? You want me to say I feel huh. bad, but I actually feel no, you, good. You feel good, yeah. Well, that's some gore violence. How about some liquid violence, Luke? And this, children, is how I went blind at age 21.
0: Oh no, this dumb fucking idiot.
1: Oh boy, <laughs> that was the second time that happened to her that was night, this, Luke. Was <laughs> this your prom night? <laughs> Only the first time she was drinking, though. That's not good, okay. Uh, let's go to some X-game shit that'll kill you, Luke. Uh, check out this half pipe. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you, it's just all oh, whites today. What's sorry. going on? We got the wrong order here. First, let's check, check Ooh, out. Oh, shit. Attack of the soda bottle, man. Well, they put the Mentos in it and then it goes haywire? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The soda will kill you. Wow, it's like a missile, dude. All right, now it's time for some X-game shit that'll kill this you. This is my colon after I eat uh, Taco if Bell. you buy the Groupon for the uh, for the half pipe, you gotta make sure it's not busy that day, Luke. You gotta watch where you're going. Oh. Wow. Wait, wait, blow that up? Yo, Sports bra just took that chick Should've out. glasses.
0: What the fuck? Wait,
1: that's a girl who hit her? Oh, wow. Dude, that looks like Terry
0: Tate off his linebacker. <laughs>
1: Siobhan Curse, yeah, that's fantastic. Wow, that's unbelievable. Who oh, is that, Landon Collins? <laughs> what <with> the fuck? Fly- <laughs> Let's go to this uh, this other gnarly BMX accident that we've got here. Let's check this shit out. Oh, boy. This guy should not be on that bike. Yeah, this yeah, you're not, about to eat it. Man. Yeah, so. yeah, that's uh, wow. No, watch that, Nope, and nope. it keeps going. Oh oh, wow. oh, oh, that'll leave a mark. Oh my God, wow, that is. I'm still not sure we should have shown that. Let's keep it going though. Let's go <laughs> Dude, to this, this is a, this is a very good edition of this. <laughs> I'm actually loving it. Let's go to the skateboard accident. All right, what do we got here? Oh, boy, it's sadly... Dude, all of these morons
0: yeah. castrating themselves yeah. is just my favorite part of he America. He went on
1: to live alone
0: the rest of his life in the Good. coffin.
1: All right, let's go to the bike ramp. Let's, keep, let's see if we can top that. Let me guess, his balls? I'm sure we can. Here we go. By the way, this looks like South America. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, let's hit the slow-mo button. Look at this. Oh! <laughs> oh now serving scorpion, wow. Dude, yo, um, so here's this trick. Down I'm gonna to hit this
0: ramp park. and then I'm gonna break my uh, fall with my face and <laughs> my sternum for my 25 vertebrae.
1: yards. I listen to the winds of change.
0: Right, right. I like how his feet carry the the bike forward Take as he as he lands. Watch, watch, watch his feet. Watch his feet. They hold on and they just oh. keep the bike going.
1: Wow. <laughs> uh, let's go to let's go back to the skateboards. Look, this is an aerial view of a fantastic accident. <laughs> Oh, wrong one! Let's see what this brings us. Oh, wow. are these the people that guard
0: uh, Emperor Palpatine? Yeah, pretty much. That is. Or what was the What was the dude from Last Jedi? What was his name? Uh, the one that they cut in half. I forgot. Who was the guy that? No. Snoke. Snoke. Yeah, oh, this, was like this is like one of the new camera
1: guy. Yeah, new camera guy knows. Out. He's like wow. He's motherfucking Snoke bitch. All right. We haven't heard uh, anything about a new camera guy, Rob. He was just doing just construction. No, he middle does, of the, he definitely looks like a like a European midfielder. Like I was like, like I was like, can we not do task rabbit fulfillment in the middle of our show, please? Rob, do you, are you Serbian by by uh, nature? No, I'm Italian. He's Italian. No. He looks like a s like a Serbian midfielder, that's what I would say. That's not racist at all. I think it was... Yeah, that's a little racist. Okay, I mean, so sorry about that, Rob. All right, we got it. We got an aerial view of this next skateboarding action. This is a this is great, look. This is. You no found some piece. gems today. Yeah, well, that's not an aerial. Goodbye, wow. bitch. Oh, yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a good one right there. Tag, exactly. you're it. <laughs> tag, UFCTE. There it is. yep. No tag backs. Wow. I already sprayed. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what the next one is. Is it more, more crashing? Do we have the aerial view? No, We've we don't. Seen okay, this one. Luke, before they play this, I've seen this one. Probably because it went ev- It was been sent everywhere. I actually think this may be the greatest knockout in the history of Have You Seen. It's this pretty year. good. Let's see it. Let's it's go to the videotape.
0: Good. Bop, bop, bop. Oh. oh, good Lord, right into the coffin too, perfect. So uh, Emily Ducati had one like this, when you get them with a big shot and they don't fall, but then they kind of lean and stumble and then they take one clean after that, Ooh. those are usually like the worst knockouts.
1: Thank you to our very aggressive and uh, I wouldn't say talented, but really it's just a bunch of our P1 fans who have so much time on their hands that they fill my DMs with these great videos. Thank you, Jeremy Oakman and company. Um, that's the share of the week, Luke. I hope you saw it, I hope you enjoyed it, but Luke, We have, speaking of breakfast at Wimbledon, Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning, there's big time championship boxing.
0: Yes. 5 a.m. is the main card starts on ESPN Plus. So if you're a UFC fan, you should have it. It is between, uh, what's Inouye's first name? Uh, Nioa. Nioa, Inouye, and Nonito Donaire. This is big. So in 2019, this was arguably the fight of the year. I think it was the fight of the year for many of these folks. It
1: was my fight of the year.
0: And uh, Donaire broke Inouye's face early, but then Inouye scored a late stoppage in what was an absolutely in- insane back and forth. Why does this fight matter, and why should folks
1: pay attention? Okay, at its core... It matters because it's a unification bout at the 118-pound division, bantamweight, two champions coming against each other. Why it matters even more because they put on what Luke mentioned was not only the fight of the year in 2019, I wanna echo this because people ask me all the time in my DMs, BC, give me 10 boxing fights to watch that'll make me a fan. And I throw this fight into that list sometimes because it's that great the first time they met. And Luke, the reason why that first fight was was such a great viewing experience is part of the storyline. Nonito Donaire was kind of like... On the outs. We we thought we'd seen the best of him. Future Hall of Famer, something like a three or four division Mm. champion. But when he moved up to featherweight about six, seven years ago, and he fought all the best, he got knocked out a few times, Luke. And it was sort of like, okay, that's it. I never would have guessed he would move back down Jesus. to weight classes.
0: Did I spit in your eye? No, I like, scratched it or something. It hurts.
1: And that he would become relevant again. And now, what is he, 39? 39. He went in there against a guy who's in the top three. Some some people, mm-hmm. he's their prom for prom king and the monster Inoue, who blows people away. is just such a powerful and destructive force. Broke that guy's face, then took everything Inoue had the rest of that fight. And
0: he, and By he, the way, thriller. Inoue is known, known, excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry about my eye, but Inoue is known as an extremely dynamic puncher right? Yes. Heavy, heavy He can do
1: handed. it all. Great boxer. He's the I'm not package. saying that's all he is, but no, I'm saying but but his power is extraordinary. And, and so this rematch comes after Donaire once again reinvented himself. Last year, he was in the fighter of the year conversation because he had two big wins, both by knockout to win a title and defend it. And this is uh, this is must-see viewing. So, uh, I mean, if it's really good, I might as well just do like an MK instant analysis.
0: You should. right? Uh, and I think, it, I, listen, if it ends up being sucky, I guess you could skip, but I honestly don't think it will be. I don't know how long it will go. I, so the main that's event, the part I can't when quite do you figure think out. think
1: the main event? will be about 7 a.m. 7? 7 7:30 something like that. Okay, okay. Like that. we're gonna check that out. Um, but,
0: I have to get up early because uh, if
1: you got nothing to do tonight, and some of our P1s, they don't, and I respect that. We're their we're their people. Like Reggie the cat, Reggie Jackson. He's a he's weird, and everyone hates him in my house. But he picked me. I'm his person, right? So like to some people out there, Luke, we're their person. We're their people. Like if they got close enough, they'd kill us. But for now, like we're their people, so um, I don't know why I was going in that direction. Yeah, I don't know either. But, uh, but what yes, I will you tell you is, you should watch the fight. Yeah. Um, oh, if you've got nothing to do tonight, because we're your people, watch the first fight. Go check it out. Search for it. You're gonna love it. You, you can't be disappointed. You really can't. Just like us in the show, Luke. We're about to film right after these cameras turn off. A lot of really good shit for the future.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of stuff going on and some special guests as well. So yes. Should be a lot of fun. Maybe even
1: a resume review. People like that franchise.
0: Uh, Thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Please subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening on the podcast platform, of course, give us a nice note. We're back on Wednesday. Shoot us an email for fan subs or dead wrong. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Again, as a reminder, showtime.com is the label that pays. 30 days free trial if you want to try it. You can keep it if you like it. If not, you can move on. Showtime.com is the place to do that. Oh, dude,
1: in um, Top Gun, in the reboot, yeah, is there any mention of Val Kilmer's character, or is he in it, or what's the deal?
0: Uh, I'll just say as a general answer to those three questions, yes.
1: Did you watch the Val Kilmer documentary? No. It is worth your things. time, dude. Basically, his entire life as an actor... Dude,
0: they, they literally took scenes from the original Top Gun and fed him into, like not dream sequences, but like remembering sequences. Yeah, oh, so they did it right. So there's actually old footage in the new movie. Okay,
1: Val Kilmer's documentary, basically he's been filming everywhere he's gone, every movie set for his entire career. He's constantly filming all the time, and they put together a, a look at his career, and you forget how great of an actor he oh, is unless yeah. you're a he, super fan of him. It's like, oh shit, he was in that. I, when I think of him, I think- Tombstone. Of, of real genius, I think of Tombstone you know those were the the big ones but obviously he's done a lot more and commercially had a, a huge run but um he's a he's an artist dude he's a legit artist he's amazing he's, yeah he's amazing. his his I'll just say this he's he's got a condition now that he doesn't make a lot of public appearances because yes. uh, he he, uh, he have a stroke or
0: something? something like that his 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 role in this movie I'll just put it is um you know it's pretty limited
1: because I don't think he can Perform
0: on the same level. There is ways that they explain that okay. in, through the okay. character. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, but yes, Top Gun. Two thumbs up from this guy. What about Amazing. this chick,
1: Kelly McGillis? Is she still alive? Is she a- you know the
0: romantic parts of the movie, they definitely go over them a million times. That to me was like the least interesting part of it. They, they, the first Top Gun, there was they like, they had real chemistry. They had that sexual tension. Um, I didn't really feel it this time around. It felt like two old washed motherfuckers just trying to bump uglies. But um, which is kind of like you and me, editorially speaking. But, uh, but the movie itself, I just cannot say enough good things. It's such a fun I'm movie. I'm going to take my such kids. My movie. kids at 14 will love it? Yes, totally appropriate, too. Okay. Uh, especially if they've hit puberty and they are their hornballs. All right. Um, I don't check their search history. All right. And as a reminder, morningcombat.store for everything else. That is Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Tons of stuff we're going to be shooting today. that are going to be coming out later. Be on the lookout for In versus Way 2 tomorrow morning. We might have some coverage of it. Either way, we'll talk to you folks on Wednesday. Until then, that's Brian. I'm Luke. May all of your gains be loyal.